You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Cam Berry and Brooks Childress with me as we're with you for the full three hours here on this Friday, and we have a lot to preview in the way of Conference Championship Weekend across college football, and it starts tonight uh, with a couple big ones, in particular the Pac-12 Championship game tonight. Of course, tomorrow, a bunch of good stuff from the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, Big 12, and then some of the other smaller conferences as well. So a lot to preview in terms of college uh, championship games this weekend. We'll tell you about the playoff ramifications of all of that and uh, just give our thoughts on those matchups and what will happen, what all the scenarios are, because, of course, the college football playoff committee will – convene Sunday morning, select the playoffs for the final time in the four-team format. We'll also talk a little Auburn basketball today as they'll have another game between now and our next show, Sunday at Appalachian State. So we'll tell you a little bit about that one and how that one might go for the Tigers after another successful game in Neville Arena a couple nights ago against Virginia Tech in the ACC SEC Challenge. This is my last show for a few shows, as next Monday and Tuesday I will be out of town, be going to a Bucks game on Sunday, also a Tampa Lightning game on Monday. Nice. Uh, so Brooks Childress will take over for a couple of shows next week. Uh, but excited to be with everyone again for this three-hour program. If you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Again, Ryan, Cam, and Brooks with you here on this Friday afternoon. Cam Berry, we'll start with you. I know we were talking a little bit on fair trying to battle just everybody getting a little something, something yeah. here and there these last few weeks. But I uh, hope you're doing better today, and good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Doing much better today. Uh, Thursday, yesterday was a, a rough day for me, but I, I'm I'm good now, and uh, glad to be able to be here and and talk uh, conference championships with you guys, and um, and a little bit of Auburn basketball as well after a phenomenal win against uh, Virginia Tech, um, and, and uh, another. Um, Another kudos to the crowd from multiple people, uh, you know, uh, especially the ESPN guy, the ESPN commentators talking about how great the student section and the crowd was, how live everything was, even though it was at 8.15 p.m. on a Wednesday night. Um, 
And then a phenomenal game from Janai Broom, 30, uh, 30 points, man. I mean, he he's and then you know thirteen rebounds, but you know the thirty points is really what gets me. You know, he could always probably get about thirteen rebounds per game, but at thirty points, that's something that's really phenomenal for him. And um, did, a, did had a fantastic game um, and um, really dominated Virginia Tech and, and just gave them all sorts of problems. Um, so yeah, it's a, a performance that. Uh, he could certainly build upon, and uh, even though Auburn um, did not shoot well from three, uh, they still were able to dominate the game and win uh, by such a wide margin, and that's something that is really good and, and worth paying attention to. That hey, the the team didn't shoot well, and that's fine, and you know they shouldn't didn't shoot the three well, and um, you know you always want to be able to shoot the three well, but. The team still dominated overall and held, uh, and the defense held Virginia Tech to two point percentage of like, I think it was like 25%, something like that, um, which is just absolutely phenomenal uh, in terms of defense. That, you know, kudos to all the guys that are down there in the paint that are holding, holding it down. So, a uh, phenomenal game uh, on both sides of the ball for Auburn, um, you know, outside of the regular three-point shooting. But, again, they, they, they didn't even shoot that many threes. I mean, 12 threes, that's not a whole lot for, you know, what you would expect for a Bruce Pearl tier. Or excuse me, 16 threes, I'm sorry. Not a lot for what you would expect for a Bruce Pearl team to take. Um, but it kind of seemed like, hey, they figured out they weren't making the threes and they adjusted, and uh, it, uh, it really benefited them down the stretch. So, yeah, um, I'm glad to be here. And glad to talk a little bit more about it and uh again talk talk some conference ca- championships with you guys and then brooks childress on the show today again brooks how are you this afternoon i am doing great it is a wonderful friday as we head into championship weekend on college football sphere can't wait to talk about all the uh the big games this weekend and some of the not uh not bigger games of, of the weekend uh can't wait to talk about all that can't wait to get to all of our callers here in a little bit and yeah me and uh me and brant last night took in uh went to the uh women's basketball game inside Neville Arena as Auburn took on Clemson. Uh, we were there in official media capacity, and so uh, it was a big win for the for the Lady Tigers uh, inside Neville Arena on uh, last night. The 30-point win uh, all over the uh, Clemson Tigers. Huge, huge uh, uh, offensive output as well as a, a really impressive defensive uh, performance for, for Auburn. And so hopefully they can continue to, uh, to build uh, off of that win as they go on the rest of non-conference play, heading into a very tough conference slate here uh, next, starting next month in January. But uh, it, it's a great first day of December. Uh, and uh, we're, we're hap- I'm happy to be here on Sports Call. Absolutely. And, of course, there is always more transfer portal news to get into as well. Uh, we speculated earlier in the week that Cam Ward of Washington State would end up getting in the portal. He has, uh, and uh, he is going to look at NFL opportunities too. So he is someone that uh, might be able to sneak into there into the middle rounds of the NFL draft. And so he's going to look at uh, that possibility as well, uh, and we'll see if he ends up going pro or staying in the uh, transfer portal but he is leaving washington state either way and so that's a name we've talked about throughout this week that would be uh, of note also auburn did have one more uh, reduction on their roster one more transfer portal guy officially sophomore wide receiver Mari kelly did enter the portal uh, and uh, that is now the third player for auburn to enter the portal again all these guys so far though not really contributors on this year's roster and 
of course, with Hugh Freeze's comments in recent days, he said he was going to be honest with those that might not be figuring into uh, the, the rotation much next year either. So uh, that is the third, though, for Auburn, Amari Kelly, and uh, continuing to monitor uh, everything going on there portal-wise. Uh, three weeks to signing day. We had Cole Pinkston on the show yesterday uh, of on three. If you missed that, go and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. I uh, saw that Marcus Davis was out uh, at Central Phoenix City today trying to get Cam Coleman. However, I'll tell you this. I, I have I've I've spent more time following a recruit than I set, swore I ever would. And I've <laughs> I, but I've followed Cam Coleman here a lot here in recent weeks. And I don't I, I, I continue to get this uneasy feeling that uh, for all the world it looks like Auburn and it signs point to Auburn and Auburn, but I don't like the uh, little bit of uh, wild goose chase this is, this is becoming on because yesterday he posted, I believe it was yesterday, uh, something about Clemson uh, on his Instagram or something like that I was seeing people talk about. So... Uh, of course, a couple of Central Phoenix City receivers have made their way to Clemson uh, in years past. So, I again, I, I I'm still uh, cautiously optimistic. Again, if you look at all the crystal balls, they're still heavily going towards Cam Coleman going to Auburn. But uh, that continues to be something that uh, might have some drama in it here uh, in the final few weeks as they edge uh, closer to actual signing day of december 20th and it's hard to come up with many guys that would not be committing around that december 20th uh, date and signing so again a lot of those names are going to be going uh, in there at that time again guys with all the offseason roster management and that sort of thing uh, we've talked some quarterbacks and that sort of thing so uh, let's speak non-quarterback wise here for a couple minutes out of the portal, uh, and of course there'll be more names, and and so not really looking for a name right now. But uh, offseason needs for Auburn, both in their final few players to try to get uh, in their recruiting class, and then also to try to get out of the portal. What are the position or positions that you feel Auburn still needs some some pretty reputable work on? I still think you need to go out and get a wide receiver um, and get just an experienced college wide receiver, Um, maybe two. Just, just so you don't. You, obviously, there's a lot of expectation for this class coming in. You got Bryce Kane, you got uh, obviously Perry Thompson, you got Malcolm Simmons. So you got some, you got some dudes already that are coming in, but they're just freshmen. So they still have to get acclimated to the college football game, the SEC game. Now, I'm not saying that they won't be able to make an impact, but again, that's a lot of pressure to put on on freshmen. So you you got to go get some experience at the wide receiver position, I think, just to kind of ease those guys in. Now, if they happen to start overtaking some of those more experienced players, okay, that happens, whatever, whatever. But I think just to be able to, so that they're not uh, immediately having that pressure on them, I think you got to go get some wide receivers. I would like to look at, say, Evan Stewart. If he's, you know, I think he's in the transfer portal. Um, He's a a fantastic wide receiver, uh, was a five-star, now leaving Texas A&M take a look at him um i i I don't even know all the other wide receiver names that are in there there was a north texas guy um that uh apparently posted that he had an offer for auburn and then uh, deleted it the other day um 
and he's a thousand yard receiver, so that has a, some potential as well. Um, so, I mean, certainly something to look at. Hopefully, you're keeping um, Jay Fair. I don't think he's a senior, if I if I remember Jay Fair. He, he is he coming back? I'm not sure. Yeah, um, that I guess would now be a good time to go ahead and tell everyone who's the players that are out eligibility. Is that, yeah, yeah, is that a good that time way, for that? That way I can 100% sure. know. Sure. So here, okay, I, I promised this yesterday that we would do it at some time. Let's go ahead and do it here in the first segment of this Friday show. Oh, here, my bad. I didn't. <laughs> here are the players that are, but but no, I didn't do the full. Okay, okay. I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So here are the guys that are out of eligibility. They cannot return out of COVID years, redshirt years, out yep. of all the years. Okay. All right, we'll start with offense. Wide receivers, Nick Mardner, Shane Hooks, Jair Shorter. Those cannot return. Offensive linemen, uh, Cam Stutz, Avery Jones, Jaleel Irvin, Gunnar Britton cannot return. Uh, defense, uh, Mosiah Nasilikiete, who, of course, got hurt towards the end of the year, Lawrence Johnson right. cannot return. Elijah McAllister, the Vandy transfer, and Larry Nixon, the third, who factored in late, cannot return. And then DBs, who are also getting senior bowl invites and accepting them, Nehemiah Pritchett and DJ James. So what is that? Really? Seven, nine, 11, 13 players really? cannot return. That's really not that bad, honestly. That's that's pretty decent. And you're, and you're really returning, uh, I would say, most of the production that you got on both sides of the ball. Uh, so again, at wide receiver, you're getting back Jay Fair. So that's hopefully getting back Jay Fair. You know, obviously. Sure, yeah. Because right. also some of these guys right. are seniors, but right. we need to utilize the COVID exactly. year. And, yeah. and you're unsure if they might transfer, grad transfer, whatever, whatever. So hopefully you bring back Jay Fair. You still have Rival- Rivaldo Fairweather, so that plays a part as well. Uh, a a great uh, pass catching threat. Um, so, but again, I still think you should utilize wide receiver. I think you should still go get one or two guys uh, that could that could really be uh, of use. Um, and and uh, offensive line. Now that you mentioned, you know, four guys that aren't able to come back, so you probably want to go get some O linemen and, and see if you can get some depth back at that position. Um, I think you got a couple guys coming in in the twenty twenty four class. Yeah, really, DeAndre Carter yeah, DeAndre is really Carter, the only huge one. Right. Yeah. And so you got to go get some transfer portal guys, um, hopefully to, to kind of go along with that. So, yeah, that's those two I would really focus on is the offensive line and uh, and the wide receiver. Those are the big ones for me. Yeah, I, I'm going to echo the, the uh, what you just said, Cam. I, I think that you need a, a veteran wide receiver in that yeah. room that can that can come in and uh, you know kind of kind of help coach up the the young guys that are coming up because you got some good wide receivers. Uh, in this class, even without Cam Coleman getting the commitment, you still got a five-star wide receiver in Perry Thompson coming into this class. And so it's, uh, I think a, a veteran presence there would help. And definitely the offensive line. I know Cole Pinkston mentioned it yesterday in, his, in our interview with him. They've got one they got one officially committed in the class of 2024, and that is DeAndre uh, Carter. And so it's, uh, it's really important that you go in. Uh, and I, th- I think that's going to be an emphasis here over the next month or so uh, or next couple weeks, uh, heading into this first uh, initial signing period, is this uh, getting you know trying to get some high school names into that because it's you know you can build off the 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 transfer portal you can fill in gaps and everything on the transfer portal but uh, if, if you don't have a a full class of offensive linemen uh, it, it's you know you start to get uh, once you get a couple years into this it starts to get really hard you, you may find yourself right back in that position that everybody complained about at the end of the Gus Malzahn era where you just didn't have offensive linemen you were having to go out and get transfers and everything and having to try and uh, and piece together offensive lines 
And so I think that's going to be really, really important here these next couple weeks is go out and try to uh, get in, get more commitments from offensive line uh, targets for, for this uh, Hugh Freeze staff because – it's uh, it you know, it, it's important, and it's a it's a position in Auburn, like I mentioned, uh, that is that you have the spotlight on you quite a bit because of the struggles at the offensive line the last couple of years, uh, between the last two coaching staffs. Yeah, and look, I, that's why I keep pounding the name more. I, like I, I, if if I'm just looking at names, and we talk about Cam Coleman all the time, the next priority, the number two priority for right now, and I know. Uh, Ryan Williams in 2025, but he, he might reclassify. He might not. If he stays in 2025, then let that be a 2024 uh, into five uh, deal. But I really think they need to get and flip Cohen Eccles. Uh, the again, the A and M commit. Uh, grant. I mean, I guess Auburn's really into the A and M commits, but A and M's been recruiting great. They're just not winning games. Uh, but Cohen Eccles, who uh, as an interior offensive lineman, we've talked about him before, number 13 interior offensive lineman, 215 in the country, solid four-star player. That is somebody that for numbers-wise, for depth-wise, uh, but still, I mean, that's pretty good quality they need on the offensive line in this class. The only other – I was scrolling through the visits, according to On3 from this Iron Bowl weekend, the only other offensive lineman that they had – uh, that was visiting. That was not already DeAndre Carter, who of course is already their own commitment. Was Favor Edwin, who is out of McDonough, Georgia. He's a three-star tackle, the number thirty-nine tackle, and six nineteen player overall. So that you know, that's not exactly going to excite the masses. Although, again, I'm I'm absolutely going to want to add anybody uh, at that offensive line, and that they feel they can develop and and make better and make into a player in the future. Because again, it's always uh, as much as players transfer, you're still trying to uh, get in a, a, a development pipeline as well and stack the depth and, and have extra guys there. And to be fair, Edwin has been offered by Alabama, Florida, Clemson, Georgia Tech, amongst a bunch of other teams. So even though he has a, a, a three-star rating is not exactly – uh, barking up the tree of being a four-star player. If Alabama and Clemson and Florida see something in you, uh, then again, going back to the offer sheet scouting, that's someone that I think Auburn has every right to to try to target and try to win over. So with that being said, still him, but the Cohen Eccles is really important for them to flip on the offensive line. And then I would say, uh, to add to you guys what you were talking about, I think that they that Auburn feels there's still a need in the defensive backfield because they do have a couple guys that can't return. They have one or two more that will probably not return or, or, or will at least look into uh, either draft waters or transfer waters or just ending eligibility. Some guys move on anyway. Uh, and that's why they went ahead and got a JUCO safety. And, and so I think that, uh, I, I think that they could stand the, to gain one or two more uh, defensive backs too. I think portal-wise, I would say uh, beyond what we've talked about, I would add maybe can you find another edge rusher in there? Now, I, I think with with Falk having a pretty good freshman year, uh, with getting Waller, Demonte Waller, to flip from, I believe, Florida to Auburn, top 100 player, uh, you know, he certainly will have the opportunity to factor in pretty quickly on the edge. But again, I thought this team, I mean, we're kind of evaluating the strengths and weaknesses of this team from this this year. One of the weaknesses was pass rush and and getting guys on the ground. And, and they, had, they had to inorganically 
create pass rush. Yeah. They they had to blitz. They had to do things. They could not just rush four and, and make offensive linemen sweat. So they need to find somebody, and I don't know if they're out there. I, I want to see more portal cycles before I determine whether you can get those type of guys in the portal or not. Obviously, Jalen McLeod was the top edge rusher Auburn got in his past class. He was okay, but he did not have a huge impact. At least maybe most of that's because he was not healthy for the first part of the year. As you noticed, he is not somebody that's out of eligibility. He can come back. We'll see. Again, I hate assuming absolutely anything. I feel like if I assume someone's back, they're going to hit the portal the next day or decide to just end the college career. So I don't want to do that. But uh, if McLeod's back, you add Waller, you add uh, another year of Falk, and then you find another veteran to mix into that, I think you would be in a pretty good place there. But, again, that, that was a weakness of the team this year. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll start to get into some of these conference championship games. There's a lot of good ones, and they start tonight. We'll talk a little bit about these conference championship games coming up after this. Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger Donathema, the Tiger Communications app, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Big weekend for college football as we enter this week with, I would say, at least seven viable teams to still be able to make the college football playoff. As I've discussed in the last several weeks, in a normal format, in a format that I feel should exist, I would not count Ohio State out either. I think that losing by one possession to your arch rival on the road does not disqualify you from winning a national championship. However, in this four-team scenario, uh, the reality is is that they're not going to be a conference champ. They're going to have the last game of the year be a loss, and they really don't have a path for the four-team variety. So we have a seven-team scenario, seven teams involved. We're going to eliminate one. Uh, with the Oregon and Washington game. And so then we'll be down to six. But there are uh, a lot of possibilities for what will happen uh, in the Alabama-Georgia game. 
Uh, and then, you know, based off of that, how Florida State, what needs to happen, Florida State, Texas game, and what debates might follow from there. But it gets started tonight with Oregon and Washington, three versus five, Washington three, Oregon five. And, of course, we revisit the first game between those two teams. And Oregon had a nice helping of game control from, like, the middle portion of the game till uh, till mid-fourth, late-fourth quarter. And then Washington got a fourth down stop. Oregon kind of felt like if they punted back, Washington would drive down and score. Uh, well, they went for it around midfield, didn't get it. And then Washington drove down, scored. And Oregon uh, did not uh, – I, I can't remember. I think they had a little time but, but couldn't establish anything yeah. in the little time they had, so right. they lost. Uh, many people have felt, and we felt on this show, Cam, yes. that Oregon was still the better team yes. anyway. Uh, and certainly Vegas feels that way. And, no, I do not mean the crowd, as that will be <laughs> at Vegas Not literally uh, tonight. Vegas. Uh, but, <laughs> but the betters, as Oregon is favored by nine and a half points – tonight on the neutral field so uh first give me your thoughts on the game and this three-parter first thoughts on the game itself then on nicks versus Penix's heisman case and then third and finally um any oregon versus texas thought uh or because again some people argue texas on paper has the better resume um and 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 that sort of thing any thought to any way that you would not have Oregon in over Texas if they won and, and just the playoff ramifications of that? Yeah, so I do think that this will be a good game again, just like it was the first time around. I think there will be a, a plenty of highlights, plenty of offense, plenty of, of exciting plays. Um, I just think I, – I think that – I think Lanning made the mistake on going for it on the fourth down, even just because you gave Washington the better field position and things like that. Instead of punting it, that might have been, you know, co- you know. I mean, it's one of the risks of coaching. You just make a decision and you got to live with it at the end. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I think I think he'll, you know, he might make a, a couple of different moves this time around. Um, I just think overall in a neutral field that. Uh, Oregon has the better team from just top to bottom, especially defensively. Um, I know you know a lot of people don't talk about defense relatively in the Pac-12, but I would say that Oregon has one of the better ones outside of Utah um, in the Pac-12. And so I, I think that um, I think that that's going to play a part. And, and I know I, I think that the Washington crowd, they were at home. I think that definitely helped with a little bit of their momentum swing as well. Uh, so in a neutral site, they're not going to have that. And I think that's going to play a big part. Uh, could be an interesting one or will be an interesting one, I think. Um, just I think that that game has so much is going to have so much intensity. Uh, so I, I, I'm excited to watch it. I think it's going to be a great one. Um, and then with Bo Nix and Penix, I mean, two phenomenal quarterbacks uh, really vying for a Heisman. I think they'll both probably get invites, honestly. Um, I, I think the three are going to be um, 
Bo Nix, Penix, and and Jaden Daniels. I think those will ultimately be the three that get an invite. Um, you know, people talk about Caleb Williams and things like that, but the team just didn't play good enough. And then down the stretch, he really didn't play good enough uh, to really be considered for a Heisman. So I I think he's firmly out of the race uh, at this point in time to to even be considered for a Heisman. You can put him in the top ten, whatever, whatever. But we're 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 really past that at this point in the season where we're so low. It's it's top three, and you want to figure out who those top three are. And I firmly believe that it's uh, Bo Nix, uh, Jaden Daniels, and Michael Penix Jr. So I think those uh, those three will be interesting. And so these two facing off against one another is another uh, another great matchup and another great quarterback duel. Uh, seeing two guys that have transferred in and found some real homes uh, in the Pac-12 here uh, at Washington and at Oregon and uh, have really made the most of their opportunities. Um, and, and so it should be a lot of fun. Uh, what was the third thing that you mentioned? Uh, play, playoff situation, would you make the case? It, it's going to be hard to in hindsight. It's going to be hard to after this week. But right now, would you make the case for Texas that, that it should be ranked over Oregon right now? No, still no, because I think that Oregon has convincingly looked like the best, the better team throughout their, their schedule. Yes, they have the loss to Oregon, but again, that was a highly competitive game, and it was close. I know that Texas has the one loss to Oklahoma, and again, that was a competitive game, and Oklahoma's you know relatively decent but i mean after the loss that oklahoma took to oklahoma state that kind of makes that kind of puts a blemish on that loss it kind of makes it look like a, a much worse loss than it is texas does have good strength of schedule and all those things but they've kind of struggled all their games have been relatively close uh kind of squeaked by um and yes you know, all that matters is the wins, but sometimes it, it does matter how you win when you have the same record. Uh, and Oregon has won much more convincingly. They've uh, they've put up whatever points necessary. Um, and I'm not to say that Oregon hasn't squeaked, squeaked by a couple times here and there, but I would say for I would say for about 85 percent of their schedule, they've been able to win and win in dominant fashion. So uh, with that being said, and, and then even the I mean the most recent game against Oregon State, they dominated. So uh, I just think that they're overall the better team, and you can say that that when you look at it on paper, uh, based off the the average of points per game and different things like that. That, that Oregon is the better team. So I, I just I don't see it with Texas right now. I think they need to have a few things happen, uh, and, and, and then they can kind of um, move on from there. You know, this, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it, you, you look at both of these, these teams. I'll, I'll start out with the, uh, the Oregon Tech, uh, versus Texas uh, debate right now. Um, it, it's really interesting because I, I agree. I think over the year, uh, over the calendar year, I think Oregon has looked like a more complete team, has looked like uh, a team that is, you know, uh, is taking care of business every single week. And that par- uh, partially could be because, you know, Texas lost Quinn Ewers for a couple games. Uh, you know, I, I wonder, you, you have to wonder if, if Quinn Ewers plays, uh, it, it, do they look a little more dominant in the, in the games that he missed? Um, obviously you can't go back and, and rewrite that and you can't go back and see that, but you, you have to ask that question. When you look at their resumes, um, right now I think you know Oregon's got the better loss because their only loss was to Washington, who is currently a top-four team. Mich- or Michigan. Texas' only loss is to Oklahoma, who is currently sitting at number 12, just outside the top 10. But then you turn it around on the other side of things, I think Texas is the better 
uh, as the better win over anybody. I, I think, you know, Texas beat an Alabama team who is sitting right behind them in the rankings. Oregon's best win right now is probably that Oregon State win at the, at the end of the year. Now, this if, if things go how Vegas and a lot of people think tonight – then they're going to have the better win on the resume because right now, you know, Oklahoma State sitting at 18th in the rankings. Again, Washington is still a top five team, a top four team. And so if you were just looking at the resumes right now, I, I'd give a slight, a slight edge to, to Oregon, just a slight edge to Oregon. Uh, if everything goes as a, as a planned, uh, I say as a plan, if everything goes as predicted and a lot of people predict, I think uh, Oregon, uh, if Oregon and Texas both win and it comes down to a debate, well, which one should get in, I would take Oregon over Texas right now. I'm genuinely surprised neither one of you brought this one up. There is a common opponent between the two. It is Texas Tech. And uh-huh. Oregon beat Texas Tech 38-30. to Texas beat Texas Tech 57 to 7. Oh wow. Uh, so again, that's why it's a debate. I don't think it's necessarily clear. Uh, I know the the eyes have loved Oregon uh, all year long. Um, but paper might like Texas better because of some of those metrics because of that head to head. And for all the times we've talked about what happens if Alabama beats Georgia, what happens if just everything runs chalk? And it's Georgia that wins. It's Florida State that wins. It's Michigan that doesn't have an uh oh. It's Texas, and it's uh, say it's Oregon over Washington instead of the the other way around. Right. Then you're you've kind of got this Michigan and Georgia lock, and then what do you do? Florida State, Oregon, and Texas, and that's why people, although we have more so focused on the Alabama Georgia dynamic of it. If Georgia were to win and simplify some things, it's still not simple necessarily for those Bob three. Teams, yeah. uh, so again, that 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 that's why it's been relevant. And I said this, I think, several weeks ago when that the first ranking came out, that it was relevant where Oregon and Texas were ranked beside each other because it was going to be hard to change that dynamic the rest of the year. And Oregon was initially ranked ahead, and they have just stayed ahead, stayed ahead, stayed ahead. And now they've got the bigger game coming up this weekend, so I couldn't fathom them jumping Texas over Oregon now if Oregon was able uh, to beat Washington. So, again, it really feels for all the world that the winner of this game, no matter who it is, ends up in the playoff. 334-887-3401 locally, toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line, and first up, Luke from Alex City. Luke is with us. Luke, how are you today? Good, guys. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Yeah, uh, the first thing I was going to bring up you just brought up was the common opponent. I found it kind of funny that uh, I can't remember which one said Texas had been struggling. Well, they they beat a common opponent by 50, and Oregon beat that common opponent by 8. And also, hey, look, I think Texas deserves extra points. For scheduling a tough non-conference game, Oregon didn't do that. Oregon scheduled Texas Tech. That's that's not the same as scheduling Alabama. It's just not, and I think Texas deserves some points for that, just like I think Alabama deserves points for that. That's why I've been saying all along, I don't get the, – the committee is treating Oregon differently than every other team that they're ranking. They are basically saying – well, we, we watch them, and, they, and we think they're good because they keep beating up on these teams, and they got the 62nd-ranked schedule. That's a problem. Um, that 
if you ask me, and that's the, Oregon's best win is a loss against Washington. Now, they might make up for it today, but if I'm Washington, that's where I sort of have a problem. If I'm Washington, I'm like, hey, the committee has made it clear that it doesn't matter when the head-to-head happens. They, they said that verbatim. And if that's the case, you know, they made it in reference to Alabama's loss to Texas, which is fine. So what that means is, number one, it doesn't matter that Oregon beat Texas Tech by eight in the first game of the season or that uh, Texas won on the last game of the season, 57-7. to Secondly, Oregon, if they were to win tonight, their head-to-head win should equal just as much as Washington's head-to-head win earlier in the year. And if that's the case, you know, how do you pick which one of those to go? Now, I know the easy answer is, well, you you choose the one that, that won latest and actually won the conference. And the precedent on that, even though there wasn't a conference championship game, was back in the Big 12 in 2014 when Baylor had beaten TCU, but uh, TCU lost to somebody else, or maybe I have those backwards. And they tied for the championship. They refused to declare a champion, and Ohio State got in. Now, they infamously went and won the championship. But the point being, I don't think – I keep hearing the term, you know, jump this guy, jump this team, whatever. I don't think it's going to be about jumping. I think that that's uh, like the line of thinking about the AP bowl, about you, uh, you can't jump somebody. I think this committee is basically going to lay everybody out when it's all said and done. Now, look, it may all go chalk and it may not be a big deal, but if Alabama were to win, and I think that's going to be very, very difficult. Georgia's a great team. But if Alabama were to win, and Texas win, and Oregon win, and um, you know even Florida State, but let's take them out of the equation for a minute, and then you assume Michigan's going to win, um, you, you, I think you lay out the one-loss teams on the table, including Ohio State, including Washington, and you say, okay, let's look at everybody's resume. And yes, Texas head-to-head win over Alabama is definitely worth something. It's definitely. But Alabama's got the better resume overall, and that's not debatable. Uh, and I think both of them have better resumes than Oregon, even though Oregon will have avenged their only loss. And uh, so that's why I think in the end, even though Oregon's number five, I don't think it's a lock they're in. I, people keep saying that, but I, I just don't see it that way. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I'll tell you what. I, I think that, uh, again, I, I here's what I know. I know that it someone is going to just be, you know, feverishly angry uh, by, by by Sunday at around noon or one p.m. Um, I think that what's unfortunate is even with a stated criteria, that criteria has still uh, seemed to fluctuate uh, from year to year, and we can put all these rules and trump cards and priorities and we can try to act like we it's actually like a poker hand and we have this beats this and this beats this, but then they don't act the same all the time. And so that's where it gets into either maddening if you're a part of those discussions or fun if you're on radio just debating on who has more merit and that sort of thing. Uh, but, but overall, still more maddening for... Uh, just the sport in general and, and trying to figure out the most important prize in the sport. So I I, I, I really, when it comes to these teams, uh, I, 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 want to, I guess I want to see how. I, I don't know, Luke, do you care how they beat? I mean, I guess we just talked about the Texas Tech. Do you care like if one team wins by their conference championship tomorrow by 28 versus 10? I mean, do we then try to rank, well, that team was 
10, well, 14 points better? I mean, does that matter at all? Well, see, I, I don't as much. The problem I have with it is, and again, this is where I think the committee and this whole process is screwed up. Not that we have a committee. I'm fine with a committee because I think you do need a committee because not everything is equal. I mean, we know how good the SEC is, and it's not the same as the Big Ten that has two awesome teams, a pretty good team in Penn State, and then a bunch of dented soup cans. It's not the same. I mean, this a Kentucky team just went to Louisville, who's got one loss on the season, that people were like, hey, how could they backdoor their way in? And Kentucky beat them. You know, Alabama boat raced Kentucky. Missouri boat raced Kentucky. But back to your question. I don't think – I'm not as concerned with the margin, but the committee seems to be. And that's where I think they get themselves in trouble. I wish we didn't have any rankings until the final rankings. I think this ranking – they painted themselves in a corner. By putting, by continuing to put Oregon at five, it's almost like if Oregon doesn't get in, let's say Alabama – I mean, again, I don't think this is going to happen. I don't want to be misconstrued. Let's say Alabama were to beat Georgia by 10, and let's say that Texas were to blow Oklahoma State's doors off and look fantastic doing it. Sure. And let's say Oregon wins – 13 to 12. I mean, all of a sudden, are you telling me that you think Oregon should get in over those two teams? I, I wouldn't put them in. I wouldn't at all. I mean, not looking at the resumes at all. And um, I feel like that plays a part. Just like, you know, I keep hearing, well, Alabama struggled with a 6-6 six and six Auburn squad. Have you, have you never watched college football? I mean, when you go, when Alabama goes to Auburn, Auburn plays differently. There was a whole article about how some new Alabama players were like, yeah, some of the older guys are saying when Alabama plays there, it's like Auburn gets superpowers. And it's the truth. And so it's different. I mean, it's not like playing Washington State in the Apple Cup. I don't care how you paint it. That's not the same rivalry. So I feel like that needs to be factored in in the sense that, okay, it, who, how many teams in the top ten would have beaten that Auburn team playing that way last Saturday? And my answer is, I believe Georgia would have. I know Alabama would have, obviously. Other than that, I don't know. Because if Auburn treated every other game they played that way and played with that kind of emotion, which is impossible, I get it. I'm just saying that's important to note. And... um Again, I, I don't think it's just as easy as, well, Oregon's look so good. Well, they throw a bunch of bubble screens in the Pac-12, and they beat up on Arizona State. Congratulations. Sure. I, look, and, and I think the difficult thing here, too, is that the Pac-12 is a little bit of a different league this year. I get it. I, I know that the a little bit the sentiment's going to be a little different. But, I mean, they, they did – uh, have a, a a troublesome second half, which put it more into play because the likes of USC fell completely apart. Colorado became a joke, uh, and some of their early ranked teams ended up uh, falling falling off. But uh, I think that the early early damage done when the SEC lost a lot of non conference games and the Pac twelve had seven or eight ranked teams at one point, I think has carried uh, some thought True. all season long. Well, how many does the Pac-12 have now? And not only that, here are the ranked teams Oregon has beaten in in the rankings, if I'm not mistaken. Oregon State. That's the list. And they've lost to Washington. Now, I understand they can beat Washington tonight. I understand that. Sure. Meanwhile, Alabama's played Tennessee, who's ranked. LSU, who's ranked. Ole Miss, who's ranked. 
They lost to Texas, who's ranked, and they played Georgia, who's ranked number one and been ranked number one, you know, a good part of the year, fluctuating between one and two. Meanwhile, uh, Texas has went to Alabama. They played. Uh, they had Oklahoma State coming up. They they lost to Oklahoma. There were Kansas State's in there. I mean, they've got some other good games. And again, I just don't understand how that can't factor in. And if it doesn't factor in, what you're telling teams like Alabama and Texas is, hey, schedule a bunch of schedule Portland State for that open date from now on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, again, and that's that's a part of the the frustration of it. I, I yeah, there was. Um, and also, I, I think it's more important. I've gone back and forth, and I will probably go back and forth on if it's more important to beat teams that were ranked at the time or ranked now. And I think some of it uh, is about when you do it because it's laughable to count Colorado as a ranked win because they went four and eight. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's, some of it uh, has to be kind of swayed towards the end of it. Uh, and, yeah, uh, Oregon just did not have with the, the teams that are ranked now because I think even Utah was a ranked team at, at the time uh, and looked pretty good, and, and I think they fell out too. So a lot of, a lot of that stuff became far less impressive in, in hindsight. Yeah, and, again, I, I think you're right about um, counting them, you know, when you count them because my point remains – when Auburn played Georgia earlier in the year, that Auburn played a lot better than they played as an unprepared team for New Mexico State. And people keep just saying, but you barely, Georgia and Alabama barely beat a team that lost to New Mexico State. And that is true, but I think there's a lot more to it than just saying that. I mean, there's a lot behind that. I mean, Auburn in that stadium plays. Alabama specifically, and Georgia usually a lot better than it plays everybody else. It's, it's, that has been a historic thing that you, you know, you just can't discount if you ask me. Sure, absolutely. Well, Luke, certainly appreciate the phone call with you today. All right, guys, thanks. That is Luke from Alex City joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate Luke for calling in again. A lot of playoff discussions to be had. Uh, we will continue with a lot of those. Uh, coming up in hour number two. However, do want to break some news that happened about eight or nine minutes ago now uh, that uh, Auburn has landed somebody that uh, is quite important. And oh, I man. said earlier this year, or excuse me, earlier in the show, uh, that I was getting a little nervous about it. And, of course, if you would like me to jinx whatever you feel Dude, nervous that's, about, that's give me funny. a call. I am your jinxer. Uh, Cam Coleman has flipped his commitment to Auburn University. Uh, that coming about 10 minutes ago, the five-star out of Central Phoenix City. Uh, we got a array of eye emojis from Trevon Reed, followed by the graphics and all the reporting uh, that Cam Coleman has flipped to Auburn. We'll wait for the 247 and the on three uh, calculus to take place and see where that re-ranks Auburn. But Cam... They got Cam, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. Got three weeks to the finish line. To be fair, I don't want to, you know, throw the party and and start hitting the pinata yet. But uh, I mean, the, that, you got the flip here, and uh, that that's big time news. As Auburn's got a huge receiving class coming in. That is major. Uh, that that helps your wide receiver class uh, tremendously. Cam Coleman is an extremely talented wide receiver. Um, I mean, a true number one by definition. Uh, when you're when you're looking at what you're looking for in, in a in a wide receiver, um, 
So that I mean that's highly exciting. Again, I still think you should still go get a couple of portal guys just just to just to add some experience into the room because again, you don't want to put a whole lot of pressure on on the expectations of these guys to perform right out the gate in year one. But having this this extremely talented wide receiver room uh, coming in is is something that uh, Hugh Freeze will be able to build off of, and that's I mean that's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Well, and look, I mean, to be fair, these are the type of guys. Yes. You know, I would say Simmons and Kane, yeah, it might take a couple years, but you get guys like Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson, and you sell them on the fact that you are on the field your freshman year. And yeah, yeah, maybe you're not going to be a thousand yard receiver your freshman year, but you're going to be on the field, and and we're going to rely on you heavily. Yeah. Uh, And that is, again, that, that, that is. Half the reason you brought in Hugh Freeze to to get this type of player, this one right here, and there's going to be a lot of expectations on Coleman and on Thompson to change this thing uh, rather quickly. Uh, it include it includes excuse me. It also includes the the emphasis on what you do at the quarterback position right. and how important it is to get the right guy to throw to these people because now for the first time in several years I will say (laughs) you know despite Gus getting some high profile guys they usually did not pan out the likes of Nate Craig Myers or Kyle Davis you look at all the you look at all those recruiting rankings they were high for those guys but really since the Sammy Coates and Duke Williams dynamic of 2014 uh, and still had Ricardo Lewis in there too the the full fledged depth and skill yeah. of the top two to three guys that you're going to have now uh, is going to be something that has not really been matched. It does look like on three who's ever ever active here uh, in uh, updating their commitments right, has right. updated. Auburn has moved from fifteenth to eleventh yeah. uh, with that commit, and we've talked about the average rating having been a top ten average rate, rating that they just kind of needed uh, a few more to get higher. So their average rating is now up to ninety one point one seven. For reference, there are only three schools, four schools above Auburn, an average level of recruit. They are Georgia, Ohio State, Florida, and Alabama. Alabama is fourth at a 91.37 average. Auburn is fifth at a 91.17 average. So basically you get up to 23, 25 players, they would have the number five class uh, in the country based off the average rating there. So huge get for Auburn here as they do land Cam Coleman out of Central Phoenix City. Again, uh, huge recruiting news. Got signing day coming up on December the 20th. So just want to make sure you get to the finish line there. But again, as we noted at the beginning of the show, Marcus Davis had already gone out the Central uh, today because today's the first day these these coaches can go out. And then Cam Coleman had been here for Iron Bowl weekend. He was even here at New Mexico State weekend, yep. I think, in an unofficial capacity. So uh, we had been circling that wagon for a while, but as I expressed in the very beginning of the show, I just get nervous. I'm sure a lot of people do. Because uh, even with this particular player, the signs were pointing months ago to him going to Auburn, and then he committed A&M. So you just never know uh, in this world. And, and so, again, Auburn's still got to pull it three more weeks, but they now uh, have the commitment for Cam Coleman, the five-star wide receiver out of Central Phoenix City. We need to go to our end-of-hour break. We'll have a little bit more reaction of that. Uh, coming up here in uh, the second hour as well as more chatter on 
this playoff scenario and the conference championship games coming up this weekend. Again, if you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports Call returns after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday afternoon. And again, huge Auburn news coming right before that last break. We already talked a little bit about it, but again, five-star wide receiver out of Central Fink City, Cam Coleman, has committed to Auburn, flipping his commitment away from Texas A&M. Just every sign over the last few weeks continued to look better and better after the firing of Jimbo Fisher, then Damian Craig not being retained onto that staff, and, of course, being at Auburn these last couple weekends for Cam Coleman. Of course, Central Phoenix City about to have a state championship game next Wednesday in Tuscaloosa against Thompson. Uh, so Cam Coleman's still been playing football, but uh, he is uh, switching his commitment to Auburn. Again, the number 12 player rated nationally in the on three industry rankings, but he is the number five player on on three site, number eight on 247, number six on ESPN. He's number 24 on Rivals, so that weighs down the rating a little bit. But top five receiver on every site, the number one wide receiver on ESPN site. He joins Perry Thompson, who is the number 31 player nationally, number nine wide receiver overall and so two top 10 wide receivers for Auburn something that has not happened in a very very long time and again Auburn moves in the class rankings up from 15 to 11 and uh, that average star ranking the average grade ranking for a player would put them fifth in the country behind Alabama Florida Ohio State 
and Georgia. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 if you want to give us a call today. We go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line next up on the show. Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing Ward Damn Cam good. Yes, sir. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, you were going through that list, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what is Rivals doing ranking this person who, 247, he just mentioned it, uh, has his being the number eight player in the country, the number one player in Alabama, number three wide receiver, as number 24. I mean, that's a... I mean that's a big disparity there, Steve. Uh, it, I mean, uh, it, it it works like that for all different sites. There's another one. If you want to go through Demarcus Riddick, Rivals has him rated 26th in the country, and On Three has him rated 92nd in the country. So it's not How is that explainable because they have different yeah, evaluators. Different, I mean, different algorithms, different, different things different, that, that they factor subjective? in. Different different eyeballs. Sure, it is. Yes. Yeah, when you're talking about high school football and. You have a lot of ways that you can break it down. Are you playing on a big in a big classification? Are you in a great region? Is that state traditionally good? Is that high school traditionally good? How that skill checks out? How that skill checks out? Yeah, abs- absolutely. That's I mean, there's a lot of different opinions of someone that's 16, 17 years old. I mean, it, it is increasingly harder the younger they go. Okay, you can go ahead and call me conspiracy over here. I'll, however, I I have no you know, on a routine basis, that if a player commits to Alabama, they'll get a higher ranking than if that player then decommits and comes to Auburn. I've seen it time and time again, guys. Yeah, I have no ap- appetite to uh, to support that. Uh, well, I've seen it with rivals, so they, they, they've done it. Again, uh, I just told you that often. DeMarcus Riddick is rated the highest of any site on rivals when he, he is an Auburn commit. He's rated... He's rated 20, uh, 20 spots higher than any other service, and it's on rivals that he's the highest on. So okay, it works at both ways. That's an outlier. All right, let's move on, guys. Um, we've got Mr. Cam Coleman. Who's the quarterback going to be for him? Again, that's a, that's a million-dollar question, potentially. Uh, there are Is it $2 million or $1 million? Uh, it depends. It uh, depends on the, on the, on the target. Uh, and I know Riley Leonard is, is possible there. Uh, there's a lot of big names in the portal. Still want to hear, you know, we have our own speculation on who they should target, but um, you know, Riley Leonard's the one we know that Auburn's at least been involved with. Okay. Now, uh, Jason Caldwell, and I'll let you know what he says, um, says that, uh, in fact, here's his, his comments. Because someone asked him, you know, who should Auburn be going after or who do you think they might be pursuing? He says, I don't think Auburn – is going to pursue any one of those coveted portal quarterbacks unless Holden Gurner were to enter the portal. He goes on to say that Auburn believes that Gurner has a has got a shot to be really good and wants him to stay complete for playing time. But they also believe they can win with Peyton Thorne. Uh, then he goes on to say, uh, are you getting an upgrade with Peyton Thorne? He says, I don't think. I don't think so. If you're Auburn, we've just been through with Bo Nix. He goes on safe, and he says, uh, do I believe that Thorne is as good as Bo? No, I don't. But I believe he's good enough to win if you improve the guys around him. And I think that's what they'll do, he says, as long as Gurner is back to be that second guy. You guys, uh, your comments and thoughts on Jason Caldwell's uh, assessment. 
Look, look, he's going to have uh, better insider info, and so anything I say is going to be way more opinionated than uh, than him. But, I mean, I, yeah, I'm asking sure. your, your thoughts on sure. why he would uh, make those kind of comments sure. strongly about Thorne. Well, I mean, again, if he, I mean, if he's hearing something, or uh, I mean, him being close to the program, you know, that's, I mean, the reports, the report there, uh, or his belief is the belief, depending on what he's heard. But I would highly advise, my opinion is highly, highly advise against not or against pursuing or not pursuing someone because of the backup quarterback's intentions. Uh, I, I don't think that Holden Gurner should have any weight on what Auburn does in the portal. The question Auburn should ask itself is, is Peyton Thorne the best guy to lead Auburn next year? And that should be it because Walker White's going to come in here. He is a higher-rated prospect than what Holden Gurner was. Uh, not, not a landslide, but a higher-rated prospect. And if you're looking to someone for your future – then Walker White is someone that in two or three years should be starting. Peyton Thorne's got this year of eligibility next and, year. And I'm with you. I'm with you right. on that. That's why I, I was struck when he says Auburn. He didn't say I believe. He says Auburn believes that right. Jordan has got a shot to be really good. Right. And that, and that's why I said, you know, you know, if he if he we're not gonna like like obviously we're not gonna dispute what he's saying. I mean, if if that's their belief, that's their belief. Uh, but I don't agree with that belief. Um, again, I, 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 I'm fine. Think I'm fine if you want to talk yourself into Thorn is going to improve a lot just with better weapons. Because the reality is, is that at Michigan State he was a better passer than this, and he had Keon Coleman, and he had better weapons than what he had this year. Uh, and and so if you want to talk talk me into that, I'll listen. Because uh, I I think the dude played his butt off, and there was a way more uh, a way better running element to him than I thought. And uh, when you when we saw that run of SEC games, he played a lot better against that weaker competition there in those games. Like there's something in there. I, I'm not saying there's just nothing, uh, but but you can't let Holden Gurner's potential future dictate what you do to try to improve this team because there's no proof. Uh, unless I'm just blind, there's no proof that Gurner's going to be able to beat out Walker White in year two of Walker White. Uh, so unless you really think that he's going to win the job next year, then what he does should not be w- dictating what you do in this portal cycle. I agree. Uh, I, just was, I was amazed when I, when I read that uh, comment that Auburn believes that Gurner... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I said, okay, so... Um, Moving on, guys. Let's go to the championships. I, I heard Luke, so I'm I'm hoping you guys will give me equal forty minutes. Uh, yeah, no, he uh, he went about ten or twelve minutes total. Okay, I thought it was forty, uh, so I didn't want him to break my record. All right, so yeah, I'm your record is safe. Statement. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, I uh, I'm going to make a really bold statement. You can go ahead and write it down. Oregon is going to go to that championship, and they're going to win it. Okay. And Bo Nix will win the Heisman Trophy. All right. It's certainly and in play. Tonight's game uh, will really not be a contest. I expect Oregon to beat Washington by two touchdowns. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're favored by, what was it, nine and a half, I said earlier. So, I mean, yeah. it, that that's not uh, as big of a cover as one would have thought. It's certainly a, 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 a favoring Oregon spread. All right. Another bold prediction, guys. Write this one down. All right. I've been reading these deep analytics of uh, uh, prognosticators. I'm picking an upset. Okay. Louisville. 
I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Louisville will upset Florida State tonight. Uh, yeah, they, they they play Saturday night, but that's a Saturday. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with the upset there. I certainly can see that one too. I don't think uh, I don't think that's far fetched at all. Florida State's probably I should say probably they might be without Tate Rod uh, Rodmaker. I believe is their their number two quarterback who played um, against Florida. Potential concussion concussion symptoms still lingering. Um, I think, or at least I believe that's the injury that uh, that occurred. And uh, if they're on their third quarterback, I mean, again, there's there's no t- even with their second quarterback, I, I, Louisville's better than Florida in my opinion. So now now maybe that environment kind of shifts that a little bit, but. I, they're they're definitely in nervous territory. The, the, the Travis injury was just was just huge. So you guys are talking about you know when you uh, play a certain team if they're ranked and no longer being ranked. And I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, you know, to, to me, I more weight. I get more weight to whatever teams you played, ranked or not, is more important to me at the end of the season. Sure, because they may have been. You know, number five in, in in the country at that time you played them, but now we find out they've lost three or four games. Yeah, and I think especially when we're dealing with first half stuff, because again, you know, Colorado's technically at time of playing a ranked win for Oregon. I'm going to break the news: Colorado's not a good team, and that should not be valued as a top twenty-five win. And that was the the heightened, you know. Uh, the heightened sense of joy, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Just, just the overreaction to a good start of the season from Colorado, and so that that's the type of game that when you're really early in the season and you have only a few games on your belt, that's when it's a lot harder to figure things out. I do think that you know if if a team is 18th with two weeks left and then they lose that one, they barely drop out of the rankings. You know that that's that's a little different scenario, but yeah, the, the, especially stuff in the first half of the year when we're all just best guessing it anyway. I, I, uh, I I'm not a huge fan of, of those still still qualifying in the same way. Well, tell me this because I, I don't know this situation. Uh, Texas Tech, as you mentioned, uh, played both Oregon and Texas. Right. What was the ranking? Do you know uh, when Oregon played them and when Texas played them? Uh, Texas Tech was not ranked. I, I don't think at any they, point they were. I mean, ranked. they weren't ranked uh, on both occasions. Right. Yeah. No. They they were they were a six and six team that was never really regarded as being anything other than a six or seven win team this year. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because uh, you know, and then I think Luke made uh, the observation, which I don't agree with. Well, you know, they didn't schedule a really big opponent. You know, like Texas to schedule Alabama. Well, hold on, Luke. These schedules are made years in advance. Uh, and so you don't know what that team's going to be like when you actually pay them uh, on your schedule, right? Well, to a degree, yes. But like, if you ask yourself, is Texas Tech likely going to be a top ten or twenty team? I mean, they've only done it a couple of times in the last what twenty, thirty years. That could have been the year though that you had on your schedule. Well, sure, and then you'd get credit for that. But but in overall, I mean, you know history, and you know that Texas Tech more times than not, is not going to be a top 25 team. And more times than not even that, they're they're probably not going to be that close. They're probably a six- or seven-win program. So, 
I do think there's some levels to it. I think that if you schedule a big brand like a Notre Dame or something and they're having a bad year, I think that's a little different consideration. That And that's just flat out unfortunate if they're going to go have a 7-5 and five year. But you know when you schedule Texas Tech, and look, it was a road game. At least, I mean, it's something. It's not, it's not all group of five games. But you know when you schedule Texas Tech that they're not going to end up and the Alabamas and Oklahomas and 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 Texases of the world, you, you just it's just the stars have to align, and they only do it once ever so often. I correct me if I'm wrong. I think I recall though Texas has not been world beaters lately, uh, and Alabama had one on their schedule. Alabama didn't know which kind of Texas team they were going to be facing, did they? But you know, in the history of time that Texas is going to be better than Texas Tech many, many, many more times. But Texas than, has than been the other way for around. The past three or four years, at least. Awesome, great. Now they're not now. Okay, they're that they in history of time. That's the that's the point with these programs. You can figure out over 20, 30, 40 year time periods where programs are going to predominantly end up. No one doubted that Texas would eventually get back to a great place. Every if if I told you in twenty, well, you don't have to be soon. In twenty years. Who's more likely to be good, Texas or Texas Tech? If you say Texas Tech, I'm hanging up the call right now because that's just (laughs) – And we we know that's how that works. So, look, again, I I do say Oregon, at least it was a Power 5 team. It was on the road. Winning on the road is not easy. I'm not saying they get nothing for it, but – Again, you know what you're doing when you're scheduled. Auburn knows what it's doing. If we – Auburn scheduled Cal. They also scheduled – uh, Penn State, as of late, uh, we, you know there's different levels to the Power Five, and Auburn knows when they schedule someone like Cal. Cal's not likely going to be a great, great Power Five program. Like, like there's just there's very few instances where they're a top twenty-five team. There's an Aaron Rodgers here or Jared Goff here, but other than that, they're they're five, six wins most years. So it's not the same thing as oh, Auburn's going to go schedule Penn State. Well, we know Penn State. Uh, is going to end up usually being pretty darn good, and in the last forty or fifty years have have suggested that. So it, there, there's again, there's levels to it all. There's levels to it all. All right, fair enough. Um, if you were a voter right now for the Heisman, you, are you three guys? Who would you vote for the Heisman? I would vote Daniels one, Nick's two, Penix three. Cam. I think I'm yeah I'm I'm leaning. Oh, this, it's a tough one. I it really is a toss up for me between Knicks and and Daniels. I, I'm gonna lean Knicks right now, um, and I'm gonna go Knicks. I'm gonna go Daniels, and then I'm gonna go Penix three. Uh, I would go the same as Cam. Okay, now I was curious, uh, Ryan, about your picking Daniels over Knicks. Um, explain, please. Because this is not a most valuable player award, this is a most outstanding player award, and Jaden Daniels does things every single week that wow me. And Knicks is awesome. I I hate when we do big debates like this. It makes it feel like we're criticizing the other guy or trying to take something away from the other guy. Like he's not great. Knicks has been awesome. He's been wonderful. 
but Daniels has been a dynamic passer and runner to the point of just very few players achieve that. He's, I think he's so Knicks and Penix, I think, are one two in the in the NCAA in passing. Daniels is third, but yet Daniels is top twenty five in rushing. He's run for eleven hundred yeah, yards. He's, this he's ridiculous. Year. Uh, and so I don't care that much that he's on a nine and three team because we know why they're nine and three, and it ain't because of him. So right, the team should matter their record but who is the best quarterback right and i i lean towards daniels now i would not submit my vote because if bo nix and the most important game of the year throws for 350 yards five touchdowns and then runs for another one or something like that then that that's a whole kind of of gumption and and something that needs to be celebrated but i think that just daniels has been the more impressive overall player and i think that the, the record, to me, does not really matter that much. We've had Lamar Jackson win a Heisman with three losses. We've had RG3 win it with four or five losses. I think, the ironically, the year Tebow won it, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that was their eight and five year, not, their, nas- right. not their national title year. So this, to me, is a most outstanding player award, not a most valuable player award. And I think the most outstanding player in college football has been Jane Daniels. Okay, fair enough. I'm I'm told for Bo. Uh, to me, I still consider him, him to be uh, an Auburn person. And so, uh, with that, um, we know the uh, volleyball team lost. Yes, it was that round. was a rough one. Yep, three to nothing. Uh, they, it wasn't even very competitive. I saw uh, each uh, each round. It was wow, 25-17, 25-18. Uh, yep. What happened to them, guys? You know. They ran into a buzzsaw with Western Michigan. Western Michigan Western has lost. Michigan. They've lost two games. They've lost two I games they all lost year. Two games, yeah. yeah, they've only lost two games all year. Uh, and it's basically Auburn ran into the same scenario that they were in last year. Auburn was the un- last year. Auburn was the unseeded team. Went to the regional, lo- uh, upset a, a, a seeded Creighton team, and then this year Auburn. Uh, it was reverse of that. Auburn was the seeded team. They were number seven seed and uh, ran into a, a, a really hot Western Michigan team. Okay. All right. Well. And at least, uh, hey, and I don't know how bad Clemson is, but our, our basketball women's basketball team beating by 30 points. Is Clemson that bad? Are we that good? Oh, I, I struggle to say Auburn's that good just because they've already lost a couple of, of games this year. I, but, you know, I mean, Clemson's been more competitive than that earlier this year. I, I would say it's signs of Auburn progressing. Uh, I would say that uh, you, you look at, Scoring 80-something points, I believe the stat that Brooks put on there, which you go ahead and say. It's your stat. Which one? The three-pointers. Oh, I Oh, no, never mind. Someone else did then. Yeah. They hit the most threes that they had all year long in last night's game. They also Uh, turned over, turned uh, Clemson over 29 times. So, which is just patently absurd. I mean, that's a turnover every minute and a half or so. So, they they did, they they played great. I think that that really bothered them losing to Clemson, the WNIT last year. And they took it to them. So I, I think it's sense for optimism. But no, I would not be putting Auburn women's basketball in the top 25 or anything just yet. Okay. And sticking with our basketball team, uh, we're playing Appalachian State. According to team rankings here, they have App State ranked number 122. It gives us an 80% chance to win. Uh, you guys think it's going to be that comfortable win? Uh, I think Auburn will win before the last sequences of the game. Like, I don't think... It'll come down the last minute or two. I think they'll have it maybe 
10, 12 point game at the last media timeout. But I do think there'll be some testy moments because that's just the nature of being on the road in college basketball. Uh, App State is obviously a, a smaller conference team that, uh, you know, now in the Sun Belt. So, okay, that's a fine league. That uh, they beat Murray State earlier this year. That's usually a nice, nice small conference team, but they've already got a couple losses. So they've been okay. They, they, I don't know where they were preseason Sun Belt uh, order, but I just know they're going to be fired up because they you don't get to host teams like Auburn very often. So I would be very surprised if Auburn just punched them in the mouth from the get go. I think App State will have some good moments in the first half, but Auburn's talent will win over in the second half. Their arena, Steve, seats about eight thousand, little over eight thousand. They've sold over nine thousand tickets for this game. So they're oh, excited wow. about it. They're excited about it. Well, this would be a really, really, really bad loss for Auburn. Well, yeah, I mean, it would not be – I wouldn't define as good. Uh, Only time will tell – only time will tell if App State ends up being quad two, quad three, or, you know, ends up having a big year in the Sun Belt. I mean, it's a little too early to tell. I know they're five and two, so, again, they could go go either way. But, but yeah, no, I would not be – I would not be – Saying, oh yeah, good loss to App State, really nice loss. Keep it moving. You know, I, I think that I they don't have to win pretty. They just need to get out of there with a win. Okay, and speaking of that, guys, team rankings have now updated their projected final season record for Auburn. They have Auburn going twenty three and eight in twelve and six in the SEC. Uh, what do you think, guys? Agree, disagree. I think that would be a really solid season. That was probably a little bit above what I thought coming into the season, but I think that's a little bit of a fair adjustment considering I think this team is is I already think this team is better than last year's team. So a uh, natural progression is to give it a couple more wins in both the league and, and overall. Uh, and I, I think they're looking good. So I, I don't have big um, big feelings either way on that. I think it's harder to do better than that. I just think they're gonna. There's gonna be some road games they inevitably lose. That's just college basketball. Uh, you know, maybe it's more of a twenty-two and nine, twenty-one and ten instead of twenty-three and eight. But it, but even still, I'm feeling better and better about this team uh, than, than even I was at the beginning of the year. I thought it'd be about an eight-seeded team, about twenty on the dot wins, and yeah, I would adjust it up a, a win or two with what we've seen so far. Okay, so I want you to be right here. Okay, I hope so. I hope so. Okay, and finally, guys, for tomorrow, let's say you were given a thousand dollars, and you could bet either Georgia minus I think five and a half, or uh-huh. you could take the points and take Alabama. Who would you take? Uh, the money and run, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, mean, I have to bet one of the two teams. Yeah. Mm. I, my, I can still cop out on this and say Bam in the points, but Georgia wins the game. And that's what I'll do. I'll say Georgia by a field goal. Um, and that's okay. There. Yep. How about you, Brooks and, uh, and Cam? Yeah. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Five and a half point spread. Would you take Georgia or Alabama if you had $1,000 on the five and a half point spread? You see, the thing is the thing that keeps Cam's in pain back the there. He doesn't the, know either. The thing that keeps me up at night is Georgia's inability to beat Alabama in in Atlanta on a consistent basis. I'm That's gonna, a home field for them. I mean, it's a home field for Alabama too. If you ever watch, do you watch those SEC championship yeah, man, games? They've got they, they'll they, both have they, plenty of people. Yeah, they have gonna, success in Atlanta just as much as the dogs do. I I'd take Alabama to cover. I would not take Alabama. I'm gonna like Ryan. I, I'd take Alabama to cover the five, but not win it. Okay. I, mm, I I would take 
<laughs> I will take Georgia. I okay. think I'll take, take Georgia, and I think I'll take Georgia to cover. I think yeah, win I'll, by a touchdown. Yeah, win by a touchdown. Yeah. Okay, so I'm taking my thousand, and I'm putting it on Georgia. Okay, that's. I mean, again, I think it's gonna be close. I, I, I think it's fair either way. All right, guys. Thanks for your time as always, and I do appreciate it. Yes, sir. So, uh, hope you guys have a relaxing and uh, very much more pleasant Saturday than uh, we did last well, last Saturday because we got nothing to worry about or be stressed about, right? Uh, no, there's always something. There's always we'll find something, but uh, well, yeah, bye. not not as bad as the Iron Bowl though. No, no, it won't be that stressful. No. Okay, so guys, have a uh, enjoyable weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Until then. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is Retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Before we go to break, I did, uh, I think that's the right time he brought up the SEC title game and, and the fanship of both schools. I want to bring up the prices to go to these games because they are cataclysmically different. Uh, this was via Connor, Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South, who we've had our, on our show a couple of times, uh, especially at SEC Media Days. Uh, here are the get-in prices via game time on for each Power 5 conference championship game. Pac-12, $42 get-in. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's yeah, in Vegas, too. In Make Vegas. a weekend out of it. Yeah. Gosh, and, that, would be so, yep. that would be so much fun. I just yeah. throw that out there. A weekend in Vegas on a Pac-12 championship, would love it. Yeah, absolutely. Big 10, $58 to watch Iowa not score points. Right, fantastic. Big $12, $71 for the uh, final voyage of Texas in the Big 12 title game against Oklahoma State. $88 in the ACC title game. Uh, Louisville, I guess, excited to get there. Florida State excited to get there. Both those teams have not been participating very often in that game. But one of these things is not like the other. The SEC title game get in 533 big ones. Dude, what the heck, man? (laughs) What in the world, bro? If you're wondering if the team's interest in Wayne. I'd rather just go see the Pac-12 championship, man, because then at least I'll spend less money on the (laughs) flight to Vegas and the ticket, a flight to and from, a Uh round-trip ticket and the ticket, and I could probably gamble a little bit <laughs> for that much of a ticket in the SEC championship. Yeah. So, and I could probably win some of the money that I spent back. Like you could, or you could, or, and then or it would I get couldn't. more expensive. Right. It could get more expensive, but <laughs> on the off chance, let's just let's just say we're feeling good, right? And we get that, then we get our money back, and and, and you're feeling good. That's insane. Uh, that's that's crazy. And this is also probably the right time to tell you that the SEC in Atlanta. Uh, reached an agreement on an extension for this game to be Atlanta through 2031 uh, yesterday, and I, I think you can figure out why. Now, some of this is the optics of driving distances and that sort of thing because uh, we were doing this in the office. Oregon is technically closer to – well, not technically, it is. Uh, we all can look at a map. Oregon is closer to Las Vegas than Seattle, Washington. Uh, but Oregon's drive, if you were trying to drive – from Eugene to Las Vegas would be 13 and a half hours. And then from Seattle, 17 or 18 hours, I think we said. So, like, you're pretty much flying right, either way. Right. And at least in in the SEC title game, you can drive either way. Uh, however, I think we also know these two fan bases thoroughly enjoy going to Atlanta, and obviously it's just as huge of a game in Atlanta as it is in Las Vegas. We're going to take our next time out of the program when we come back. We'll have more on those conference championship games. We've already talked a little bit about the Pac-12. We'll move on 
some of these big games on Saturday. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger Listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. We do want to go ahead and remind you that uh, we had Borgard High School basketball start on our airwaves this week on Tiger 95.9. We've also got, coming up in just a few minutes, on FM Talk 93.9, Smith Station basketball. They're taking on Shaw High School out of Columbus. And so uh, Brant Daughtry will be on the call of that one. And starting right around 5 o'clock. And uh, all December and January long and into February a little bit too, we'll have high school basketball on FM Talk 93.9 and Tiger 95.9. Also, one more or two more items for you. Let's go ahead and get to all the items. On FM Talk 93.9 this weekend, we will have the Big Ten Championship game for you. Michigan, they do have to win. If they lose, as shocking as that would be, that would mean chaos but they do need to win to secure their spot in the playoff they take on iowa first one if michigan get to 10 they'll be okay uh and so michigan and iowa 13 for good measure yeah 13 just for emphasis uh so michigan iowa will be on our uh network there fm talk 93.9 tomorrow night and then coming up next week the super seven we partner with the alabama high school athletic association uh, and, of course, we run the scoreboard show all year long on FM Talk 93.9. So the Super 7 can be heard on FM Talk 93.9 starting Wednesday night with the 7A state championship game between Central Phoenix City and Thompson. And, of course, all six championship finals on Thursday and Friday from Tuscaloosa will also be airing on FM Talk 93.9. So that's your home for the Super 7 here in East Alabama. And your shameless plug here is the best primer for that is the high school coaches show, show next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, leading you right up to that Super 7 game. So if you want to uh, get the primer for all of the Super 7 games, our final episode of the high school coaches show right here on Tiger 95.9 next Wednesday night at 6. So there you go. You, you have it all right there. All the high school content you could want. Football, preview shows, scoreboard shows, basketball all coming up here on our Tiger Communications family of radio stations. All right, let's continue on talking about conference championship games. We've hit on Oregon and Washington. 
Uh, and that's certainly going to be a good one, Knicks versus Penix, and trying to see if all the people that have the eyes uh, and they've Oregon's been passing those eye tests, we'll see if they can pass the on-the-field portion of the exam uh, and beat Washington. The early title game Saturday, Big 12 title, Texas and Oklahoma State. And, of course, this one – uh, is not necessarily for a playoff spot. Texas is not quite in control of their destiny, but if they win, any one thing might be able to get them in. And Texas coming in as 15-point favorites, guys. Oklahoma State has had a weird year. They were able to beat Oklahoma and Bedlam. That's certainly something that they absolutely uh, desired immensely because there's no telling if, if and when that game happens again between them and Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma. But after that, weird stuff. Uh, they played UCF, and uh, Gus Malzahn and the Knights beat them by 30-something points uh, in Orlando. They smoked them. And then Oklahoma State had a couple close calls here late in the season. They were getting uh, beat pretty good by BYU in Stillwater. If they had lost that game, it would have been a rematch of Texas and Oklahoma. So, are you worried at all about the Longhorns in this game? And I asked Luke this when he called in, so I'll ask you guys as well. Does it matter to you how much Texas wins a game like this or how any of these teams, how much they win by? Is it just the art of winning against good teams this late, or does Texas need to put a whooping on Oklahoma State? I think they need to win convincingly. I do. I think I think the margin of victory matters. Obviously, the victory itself also matters. Um, I, I think they need to play a fully convincing game. Uh, you know, I mean, Luke did make those points saying, you know, the, the head-to-head when talking about Oregon and, and the common opponent with uh, Texas Tech and the way that um, that that Oregon uh, beat Texas Tech versus the way that Texas beat Texas Tech. And, and that does make a bit of a difference, but I still do think that uh, Oregon has the slight advantage, and I do think that I think for Texas to make their case, they need to be uh, to have a convincing win, to have a, a truly dominant win. Uh, I definitely think that uh, that's something that, that needs to happen for Texas. You know, I, I look at it and – I think that the the way that you know the the way that it's been set up, um, I don't know if it if unless chaos starts raining down. Uh, unfortunately for for Texas, I don't know if if con- at a convincing win. Uh, I don't know if a, a a dominant win does anything for them. I mean, you you look at the rankings right now. Uh, let, let's just let's just go with you know let's just go with uh, with uh, this scenario. Let's say Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Florida State wins, Oregon beats Washington, and Texas beats uh, uh, Texas beats Oklahoma State. Well, if Texas you know railroads Oklahoma State, cool. They were 18th when you beat them. Oregon uh, just beat a number three team that was in your playoff that was in the playoffs top four, top four. So you're you're putting Oregon in there if. You know, let, let's say Louisville upsets Florida State, and you know everybody else wins. Let's say Georgia, Michigan, Washington win, and then it's then Louisville beats uh, Florida State. Well, Oregon's not getting in probably uh, with that loss to to uh, to Washington. Alabama wouldn't jump them because they would have lost to Georgia, and it and you know you'd look at it and you'd say, oh, all right, it's between Ohio State and Texas here. Well. 
you Texas won a cha- conference championship, Ohio State didn't make it to their conference championship. And so even if they won by a safety uh, or one point, uh, I, I think you would move Texas above Oklahoma or uh, above Ohio State because they won a conference championship. So I, I, unless you start getting to these chaos scenarios where, say, you know, Alabama beats Georgia and uh, Oregon beats uh, Washington, uh, you're you know, and, and you've got you know a couple spots open up or one spot open up, and you're trying to decide whether to put Georgia in there uh, or you know where to where to put some an, a second SEC team. I don't think it really matters if Texas wins by one point or by twenty five points. I think that they're. The, that in, in all the most likely scenarios that are not chaotic and it just involves one of these teams losing, their their fate is is ready. They're going to a New Year's Six game, probably, uh, and it, it's you know they're they're and it's a uh, their their fate is set. And I'll tell you what, it's a there's a uh, there's a theory, you know, there's a a scenario that not a lot of people are talking about. But what if Pac-12 gets two teams in? What if Oregon beats Washington? And that's and they Washington's only loss is that Oregon game. They still and let's say, uh, let's say you know, uh, Florida State falls. Yeah, you'd need Georgia win. Michigan would win. Michigan win. Florida State, State loss. And then you'd probably need Texas to lose. Well, so I mean, I guess that's where the where you could debate, right? Yeah. I and. Thank you for this. This is a new one I've really not heard discussed. I'll tell you what. I, I thought of it when Luke was talking, so I want to credit Luke for, for letting me think uh, so for a minute. But it, it was, good thought, Brooks. It was what, what scenario is it that the Pac-12 gets both these teams in? So if Oregon wins by possession, and they've been valued over Texas all year long. Yep. Right. So then what's the logic for why? I guess it would just be conference champion, right? That you would say I'd give the nod to Texas. Yeah. Now, would it matter to you then? Like, I, I don't know. First off, let me ask you. You don't have to give detail. We'll, we'll do quick fire answers. Right now, let's say that scenario happens. Georgia wins. Florida State does lose. Okay. Washington loses by a field goal slash touchdown. One possession game that was close the whole way. Put Washington or Texas in. Yes or no? Or Washington or Texas. That's not a yes or no. Washington or Texas. Yes or no, Washington or Texas? Uh, Washington. But Washington, okay. You see, the thing is, is I, 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 if I'm thinking about the committee, I'd put Texas in because they're, they're the conference champion. Okay. A Power 5 conference champion. So to Cam. That's good. So to Cam, Washington still loses by only four, five, six points. Texas beats Oklahoma State by 30 points. Washington or Texas? Oh, okay. I'd have to go Texas at that Okay, point. so see, yeah. that's, that's where the margin can matter. And – Look, we'll we'll kind of do this in a in a way in which there's not going to be chaos going on too much at the same time. This is kind of going to be like a chronological this 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 and this. So we'll play the Pac-12 title game before we play the Big 12 title game, and we'll know if Oregon did win this time, and if they did by how much, or if Washington won again, and then it, it's hard to justify Oregon over some of it, and, and that sort of thing. So. We will we will have a domino fall here and domino there, and and possibilities will be slowly eliminated. But I still think, look, trying to commit, try to predict what this committee will do at a given time is is a nice song and dance that no one that very few are going to get right all the time. But I think they would look at margin absolutely. I think that's kind of how maybe the human nature would lead to. 
like seeing is believing to a degree and how thoroughly you do something matters like did you do like like if right. you, like evil take it to normal life did did you mess up my order because you gave me the medium fry when i asked for the large or did you mess up my order really badly and not give me any side item at all you know did you did you do yourself a service by giving me three extra chicken nuggets uh, in the bag or did you do yourself a service by giving me one extra chicken nugget like like that that kind of thing we said oh man they gave me a whole bunch of these that's awesome or you say wait a minute i thought i was supposed to get this they gave me something else and, and it gets progressively more negative progressively more positive depending on what that is and so i think it is absolutely human nature to think yeah if Texas wins by a couple points, eh, it's fine. Even in the very first segment, Cam, you were talking about how the perception that Texas had not won uh, a lot of their games convincingly, which had been true up until last week when they when they demolished Texas. Like they had won a, a bunch of one-possession games. They also had their backup in for some of that. So that there is a, a logical explanation. But It's fair. Good point. But when they play this weekend, like that – like. I'll give you another example, another theoretical. If Washington had beaten Oregon by 17 the first time around, we wouldn't have simply written that off and said, oh, well, that's because Washington's at home, but Oregon went by 17 at home. No, we said Washington needed the absolute last moments to win that game, a game that Oregon failed on fourth down on like five different times. On a neutral, we would feel differently, and it certainly being at, ho- uh, at home, we'd feel differently about Oregon. And that's what we're using to justify it. But, but if Washington had beaten them easily, we wouldn't have then gone and said, oh, I still think Oregon's better any damn way. Right, right. And so I do think it matters how you do this. And for Texas, look, it ain't going to hurt them to go win by 21 instead of by 2. And the scenario where we've talked about the most often, we're about to run out of time for this hour, and we'll continue to talk about this uh, in the 5 o'clock hour. We just had the stack breaks here. Is that if Texas wins by a lot, that might help them from the scenario we've talked a lot about where if Alabama does beat Oklahoma, or excuse me, if Alabama does beat Georgia, is that easier to put Bama over Texas just a little bit if Bama wins by 20 over Georgia and Texas wins by a field goal? I know the thing that's holding us up here is the Texas that, win that, over that, that, Alabama, which yeah, should matter a whole should. lot. But then flip it. If Bama wins by a field goal and Texas wins by three touchdowns, well then, okay, what what's tex- What else can you do? Right, what else can you right. do? You beat them? It's you you beat your, be, your conference champion easy? Yeah. So I think it does matter. Uh, whether it should or not. I think it does matter. I think that's human nature to say that how thoroughly you do something matters. It, it, it works for promotions. Did you did you do what you were asked, or did you go above and beyond? Did you do the bare minimum, or did you do something you didn't have to? And that kind of thing, that happens in life. And I think that it does matter on a commit, in a committee's brain of the perception of viewing these teams and did you kind of make it debatable for yourself, or did you leave no doubt in how you played those games? So I do think those things, those things matter. In Texas, Oklahoma State, Texas, in my opinion, Oklahoma State is not going to be viewed in a way to where Texas can win by three, and then all of a sudden Texas gets benefits of the doubts 
and these conversations. I do think this is one of those where Texas would really like to flex if possible. We are out of time for hour number two. Coming up in hour number three, more breakdown of these conference title games as we go methodically along. Still got the SEC and the ACC to talk a little bit about, as well as talk about Iowa's punting against Michigan. All that coming up next here on this Friday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday evening as we continue to go through all of the big college football uh, weekend matchups here on Conference Championship Week uh, in college football. Before we get back to that, I want to get to Player of the Week because if I don't do it now, guys, I'm just going to be very forthcoming and say I'm going to end up forgetting. Uh, so let's go ahead. And I think I might have forgot last week, too. I don't know. My record on it is getting increasingly poor. So let's go ahead and get to this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Oklahoma running back Gavin Sawchuck is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The freshman standout for the Sooners rushed 22 times for 130 yards and a hat trick's worth of touchdowns in Oklahoma's 69-45 shootout win over TCU. Sawchuck has had a breakthrough season for the Sooners, averaging just under six yards a carry for the year and scoring eight touchdowns. Gavin Sawchuck is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Great name there, Gavin Sawchuck. Sounds like someone should be playing at Oregon State with the Beavs or something, but... Uh, he was on our Compass uh, Radio, their Game of the Week last weekend, which was Oklahoma and TCU. Oklahoma scored approximately a million points in that one and uh, saw Chuck with a great performance. But again, the Sooners did not make the Big 12 title game as Oklahoma State with that big win in Bedlam. Still enough to give them the tiebreaker to face Texas. Let's continue on here with these conference championship games, though, to start this 5 o'clock hour. We've already done Pac-12 and Big 12. If you missed any of it, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. Time to talk the SEC title game. Alabama and Georgia inside of Atlanta. 3 o'clock kickoff. 
I guess this is officially the final game for CBS's SEC coverage. Another final regular season game was last weekend in the Iron Bowl. What an Iron Bowl it was. Uh, but now Alabama and Georgia, as was the, um, I guess, became official two or three weeks before the actual end of the regular season. And it still has all the playoff aspirations that you could have there. Georgia having been number one all year long. Alabama at number eight. Have really been at number eight for a long time. If you look at the playoff rankings. They kind of stuck. Uh, yeah, because, <laughs> again, the chaos has not happened. A lot of close calls this year. Certainly had a lot of close calls, including the Iron Bowl last weekend. Uh, but these teams really ultimately have not gone down. Uh, all these all these top nine or ten teams. Uh, Louisville to Kentucky is the biggest uh, defeat there in quite some time. So when they drop from number 10 and losing to Kentucky. But uh, this one, guys, again, Steve asked us about the lines around five, five and a half, depending on when, when and where you look. Uh, it's it's a tough one to call. So, guys, how do you feel about it? Yeah. Um, still tough. Yeah, it is still tough. I mean, you, you look at this. This uh, we we had a discussion in the office earlier today about uh, about Georgia. They're a team that over this year, Ryan, you you said this earlier that they when they've wanted to play, when they've wanted, when they've been interested in a football game, I think that's how you put it off the air. Uh, they've put it on. They they've come out and they've they've uh, handled teams. Now this is going to be their toughest competition of the year, probably. I mean, you've you've played a couple top twenty five teams in uh missouri and and ole miss but to to those teams respect they're they're not this alabama team um i think that you know that you, you look at this georgia team i think they've got the 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 talent to win uh i think the biggest thing is going to be like what we've said every single uh week when we've talked about alabama uh this year at least in the second half of the season can you contain Jalen Milrow? Can you go out there and when he, when when you cover the the wide receivers, the very talented wide receivers that uh, Alabama has, can you contain Milrow and not let him run around and uh, and escape, uh, uh, escape, um, escape your defenders? Uh, and I, I think Georgia will come in and have a really good plan to do that. Uh, I, I think Georgia wins this game. You know, the the big question is again. Can Georgia beat Alabama in Atlanta? Uh, and the, it's something that Kirby Smart's kind of struggled with. This, he, he's he's been able to beat Alabama. That that's you know he, we finally found the the where he was able to beat Alabama a couple years ago. Um, but can he continue? Can he beat Alabama in Atlanta? Win an SEC title over Nick Saban and uh, officially you know punch their ticket into the playoff? And keep Bama out of the playoff is is the big question for for this game. Yeah, I, I think this one will be a good game. Uh, I I still see the dogs as winning it though. I I just think that they, I I you know like like you said Ryan, like you kind of reiterated Brooks. They just, I mean, you know, when they, they get up for the games that they need to get up for, right? Uh, Carson Beck has been about as consistent as any quarterback in, in the country and, and definitely in the SEC. Um, you know, doesn't necessarily have that wow factor that, you know, a lot of people are kind of expecting from the quarterback position, but he's been consistent and he's been good for the dogs. Um He's been able to, you know, get, do everything necessary. He's been an efficient thrower, threw for plenty of yards on the season, and and uh, has been able to get the job done pretty well. So, I mean, I think he checks that question mark uh, that a lot of people ask, and some people are talking about him potentially going to the draft. 
I think he's going to come back to Georgia next year um, uh, just to get one more year under his belt before turning pro. Um, and so they'll have you know a couple years of consistency there at quarterback uh, for UGA. Um, I think the defense is still plenty talented, uh, have had some issues kind of in the run game here and there. Not as stout as they haven't been in you know the last couple of years, but still a very highly talented defense, I think. Um, I, I think, you know, like you said, Brooks, if they can kind of if they can figure out a way to contain Milrow, not let him get to the outside, not let him use his legs, uh, I think you're you're in a pretty good position if you're the dogs. Um and and I, I think with that, I think UGA wins. I don't know how, by how much. I, I think I'll say kind of I think I'll say by by about a touchdown. I think it'll be a relatively good game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. You said the line is five and a half, right? Yeah. The line is five and a half. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Alabama covered and lost. Like, that wouldn't surprise me um, if that were to happen. But I, I think it relatively – I think it will be a great game. Yeah, I just – I can't see – I mean, you can count on less than a hand. You just have a couple fingers for how many times Alabama's actually been beaten pretty badly. Uh, in right. 15 years. I mean, I remember the Clemson title game, the the, the third rendition of it. The first one, yeah. Bama won. The second one, Watson won at the very end. The third one uh, no, in the title game was the – pretty bad by well, Trevor no, Lawrence. Yeah, yes, right? yes, yeah. yes. Trevor Lawrence in 2018, I think it was. Uh, so 2018 or 2019, one of the two. Won 44-16. Yeah, something, something in there. Yeah. Uh, and that was a that's as bad as I've ever seen them, seen them beat. Even the Texas game this year, it's not a blowout, but it is one of the more decisive Bama losses. Like they again, they in general last year, I think their little two losses were both by a point. Uh, they've lost some very close Iron Bowls over the years. Uh, they just don't lose by multiple possessions very often. So that's why it's tough, even if you feel, and I do, that Georgia is the better team that Georgia's just going to go ahead and, and treat them like everyone else and ragdoll them. You just don't ragdoll Alabama. No, you, you just, don't. You just don't. And and so the progression of Milrow uh, has been so key and a matchup that's going to be very important for Georgia and could give them a lot of trouble is th- – and this is not unique to this team either. This is just how they kind of do it – is Georgia's not usually the best pass-rushing team. They don't usually make their hay on the edges. They don't usually uh, give you three seconds or less. They they just don't have the statistical stuff that rushes the passer. They are a fundamentally awesome team with incredibly talented players to run an incredibly airtight scheme and, and system. And, and that's and, and that's what's always happened in. A lot of their great players have usually been up the middle. That's when you think of their big, mean defensive tackles and their linebackers and all that. Uh, and so with Milrow, I, I, same kind of stuff that I said with Auburn, obviously Georgia, a better version of it. But at some point, you'll have to get Milrow down. At, at some point, you will have to actually pressure the play enough to make him read it poorly, to make him make a poor decision. He's not made very many poor decisions now in in four or five weeks. And 
I think it is a concern for Georgia that they have not actually got a real sack number. And so to think that they're all of a sudden going to sack him five or six times, that's just not really in the cards. That's one of the things that's just not going to happen tomorrow. So when you give that a look and then you also think about, okay, how do you beat these really good defensive teams? Well, you give them more to defend and you take them out of their assignments. Well, that's why the mobile quarterback is such the X factor. And Milrow has the ability. Georgia can be as disciplined as it wants. And Georgia can have everyone covered. And Jalen Milrow is still apt to have a 40-yard run. Like, like, like that. that's how good of an athlete he is. And that is the danger when he's back there, given that he has established more passing. Uh, and, and they have... They feel better and better about Bond, Isaiah Bond, as they should. Uh, they've always had Jermaine Burton. I'm sure he's going to want to talk all the trash, whether he's Bro. making plays or not no. against Georgia. Yeah. He's going Former to be team? fired up. Yeah. Uh, and then they still got some others like Prentiss and stuff, too. We should mention Jace McClellan's not going to play in the game. He did yeah, get hurt at the end injury. of the Iron Bowl. Yeah. But guess what? Of all the years, I think this one matters about the least about that. I, I, I'm not sure that Roy Dell Williams or Jam yeah. Miller are any worse or any better. Yeah. I think they're all kind of in the same boat. Uh, so I, I don't think that that's a huge deal. Yeah, if you have 2015 Derrick Henry hurt, big big damn deal. And you have 2009 Mark Ingram hurt, big deal. Trent Richardson, big deal. I'll, I can go up and down the line. But I don't think it's as big of a deal that McClellan's out, uh, even though he's been the one getting the carries. That, again, that's not been a robust rushing attack. So uh, I, I don't – again, I, I'm picking Georgia, and I'm going to stick to it. But you, we have – again, you're picking teams that never lose. Someone's got to lose. Like, like it, it is not the vogue thing to think Alabama's going to lose an important game. And in the last few years, it's not in vogue to say Georgia's going to lose uh, the, the important game. They haven't lost any game in a while. So it, it is tough to call this one because you're just not used to these two teams failing when it matters. And someone has to. And I, on Georgia's side of things, they'll say, I've been impressed all year long by Carson Beck. And on their offensive side, obviously Bowers continues to be a menace, but I think that it I think it even helped Beck a little bit. Not that he was necessarily playing this way, but you could see how it would happen where he almost used Bowers as a crutch. Well, he had to play without okay. him for a couple weeks. Yeah. So and he did just fine. He <clears throat> yep. he did not have any problems at all. So just spread the ball around a little bit more. Yeah. So it, it and Alabama's game plan might be to take Bowers away. Uh, they got incredible athletes like Dallas Turner that are going to have in battle that are that are going to have great opportunities to be able to stick with Bowers in a way that that others are not able to stick with him. Yeah, but Beck is fine no matter where he throws the ball. I think he's a little bit better than Stetson Bennett, and Stetson Bennett became pretty pretty damn solid yeah, by the sure. end of it, even though it just never. <laughs> it never looked like it right. should be that way. Right. It never, yeah. I mean, he never wowed UGA fans, to, but I mean, he's a back to back national champion and led them to, you know, to the, the undefeated seasons that they've had. But yeah, you're right. So, you know, I, I, I think George's offense is good. I think Dewan Edwards here uh, these has really kind of stepped up as RB1 for them early in the year. If you were poking at something with them, their rushing attack had been lackluster. Yeah, leaving something to be desired. And I think that <laughs> yeah. Edwards has really come on there. 
Their room was just so beat up yeah, at the beginning that was also of the true. season. Um, I think it was supposed to be Edwards, or yeah, I think it was supposed to be Edwards, and then you know he was just injured, and now they've got a healthy, relatively health, healthy room. So yeah, Edwards has been pretty good down the stretch. The series history between these these two programs: Alabama leads the series 42, 26, and four. A neutral site games, Alabama still leads it 21, <laughs> 17, and four. Mm. But can anybody tell me the last time Georgia beat Alabama in the city of Atlanta? Last city. time in Atlanta. Well, the title game mm. wasn't there, right? Or what? No. Nope. No. Well, okay. they they did play a national title game there, and that was the but that was the Bama. Was that, that was second the two of yeah. two play? The, that was the, second and twenty six. Yep. Yeah. The uh, the win that uh, Georgia had the last win uh, was the last time they faced in the national title game was in Indianapolis. Okay. Twenty two. Um, insert dome stadium here. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not going to know. I know they were. They've been close. I mean, Murray was close. They w- caught it at the two yard line. That was yeah, a, I remember that. Was that. A that drunk was, game. That was a uh, drunk game. I remember that. That was a wild. Obviously, Jalen Hurts led Bama back in that SEC right. title game a few years ago. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't remember. The last time Georgia beat Alabama in the city of Atlanta was 1942. 19. Good Lord. That's a yep. while. I didn't think it was that far yep. back. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, I'm just going to be honest with you. Wouldn't have gotten there. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten there either. 1942. That's, that's crazy. The world that's, was at war. That was. The world was at war. Good that's, grief. That's, that's wild. Okay, so <laughs> the dogs have some uh, some real some real uh, history on against history them. Fight, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that that's a that's that's a I mean I wouldn't have thought that but uh, they obviously got them in that title game but there's still a feeling of can you can you really dominate this sport and dominate them unless you actually get on, going on a streak against them because uh, the paradigm shift these last couple of years with these titles and it started with Georgia beating them the first time but obviously didn't happen last year and now they're going to play each other here. And then they will play each other in the regular year next year. Uh, and I know some, there's been some schedule leaks already that uh, are interesting. Alabama's going to have a, a wild time of it in November. I think that if that's right, they're going to have November. They're going to have at LSU, at Oklahoma, and the, the Iron Bowl all in November. Um, but, you know, they, they will have Georgia, and that will be a, a huge game next year. I think it's last week in September. The full announcement or I guess to verify what's been announced and full announcement will be December 13th. Uh, so we're only about uh, two weeks away. I saw, did you see Greg Sankey was uh, not happy yes, about not happy ESPN about that. leaking that? Oh, really? I, yeah. He, he went on uh, Pat McAfee today. Oh, really? And said he, he was said not happy he was, about that. Yeah, he said he was not happy that the that ESPN leaked some of those games. Well, and I know who leaked it was Chris Lowe, uh, who has um, been – been able to get a few things he's pretty plugged in especially with the sec uh and, and he's who ended up doing that info uh and he was at the iron bowl too by the way so i don't know i don't know who i don't, yeah, I don't know sources but um uh, he he has he has been able to break a few things in the sec so uh, he's been well plugged in uh, I'm, I'm not surprised though i mean i'm not surprised that he was able to get something i'm also not surprised that that saying he's upset about it because I mean, you don't you don't authorize a, a news break like that. You, you want to have the big reveal and the most eyeballs on it and that sort of thing. Right. And now you feel like you won't have as many eyeballs from Alabama on that because of that. So um, I, I see how you get a little irritable. But, yeah, this SEC title game is going to be huge. And, again, it will. we will already kind of know 
what the scenarios start to be because the Big 12 already played and the Pac-12 already played, especially the Big 12 playing with Texas. Uh, we won't know the Florida State part of it yet, but if Alabama wins, we know the committee is going to start to sweat. If Georgia wins, that's going to be a sigh of relief there. And then uh, I think that Florida State game becomes really huge at night. But, yeah, the SEC title game between Alabama and Georgia should be a very close one tomorrow in Atlanta. We're going to take our next timeout of the show. We, when we come back, a couple more title games to hit on real quick. Also need to talk real briefly about Auburn basketball as they get set with a date with Appalachian State on the road on Sunday. We'll come back again, more conference championship and some Auburn basketball. On the other side of this timeout, you're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. We continue on last half hour of the show for the day and for the week. Again, reminder, I will not be here on Monday and Tuesday. Brooks Childress will be taking over in the host seat. All right, let's move on to the nightcaps in the college football world Saturday night. And that is Iowa and Michigan in the Big Ten title game, Louisville and Florida State in the ACC title game. We have not talked much Michigan and Iowa. I think the assumption is that surely Iowa will not actually do that. I suppose it is in play, but this year has just not been the year to think of that much chaos. How long before that game becomes unwatchable? That's the question I will ask. <laughs> See, the spread is Michigan minus 22. My oh. question is, can Iowa score 22 points? No. Dude, no. I, I, no, I, no, they yeah, cannot. It's no. so, a true question. It, it, this feels like a game that Michigan's going to come out and feel like they're, you know, they're not, not that Iowa's in it. The game is. Uh, I bet. Uh, I, I would. Uh, if if you told me to make a prediction, I think it's going to be a one-score game at the end of the first quarter. And you're going to look at it, if you're not watching the game, you're going to look at it and say, "Oh, Iowa's hanging around." But if you watch the game, that's not going to feel like they're in it at all. No. It, it's going to be one of those weird where it's like, "Oh, the the score is not indicative of how the game has gone." I think Michigan ends, ends up winning the game fairly easily uh, because Iowa's offense is just. They don't know what that Non-existent. is. Non-existent. Um, it's it, it's basically like they're trying to find a football in a cornfield. Iowa is, has is an what offense. Yeah, uh, it, that, that's what I I would think is uh, 
They, they can't find it in, in, you know, you try to find a needle in the haystack. They're trying to find a, a football in a cornfield is, <laughs> their, uh, is what they're trying to do. And so I think Michigan wins it fairly handily. I think it's close early, but it doesn't feel close. Yeah, I can agree to pretty much all of that, uh, Brooks. I don't think that I was going to be able to score it all with Michigan. Um, and uh, with that being said, the game's going to be over. I'll probably stop watching. <laughs> I probably honestly won't watch it all. I'll probably, but if I were to say, you know, browse a little bit, I'll probably be done by about halfway through the second quarter, roughly, give or take. So I am, I'm pretty much, and when you have big games, or not big games, when you have games that are only becoming big if they're shockingly close, I've got to watch the start because that might be the only action I want to watch. <laughs> yeah. Because if that ends up being a three or four score game, then I'm not watching that. Whereas I would keep watching uh, Georgia and Alabama no matter what the score was just to, just to see what happened and everything that happened. Uh, and to some degree, I might even do that with Washington, Oregon tonight too. But I'm not going to – sit there and watch an underdog get get beat as the underdog and then you know keep keep going with it i i just think with iowa i think they've got a shot for a while to, to hang in there because of their defense i mean their defense is real that's you know not the fun thing to talk about them we like to make fun of the offense and we should it's awful uh, but they've they got a real punter too they're <laughs> yes they do they have gotten to a 10 and 2 record for at least some reason and i know that part of that reason is that division the big 10 is not good either but i mean they have won these games and and they came out of that that group and their defense is used to playing with little to no support i mean it's not this is not gonna be earth shattering for them to have to go defend three different possessions in the first quarter that being said michigan's just better and i think michigan will if not from the get-go they will at least at some point break the dam start to run wild, run and pass. They, they won't even have to use McCarthy too much. Harbaugh's going to be back. Michigan's going to be fired up. I don't think they're going to feel like they can just chill out and not worry about it in this game. So I, I don't think they're in any any sort of upset trouble. Again, could Iowa cover? Sure. If, it's, if, if they can hold Michigan down for long enough. But there's just a very real ceiling that – Michigan, that Iowa is just not going to be able to get to. Uh, and Iowa's just not going to be able to get to a certain amount of points. And they didn't do it all year. They're not going to do it all in Michigan. So, anyway, I, I think that I think the Michigan's going to be just fine. Uh, I don't think they'll overlook it at all. And, and they'll, they shouldn't have any, 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 any trouble in the fourth quarter. I, I mentioned Michigan favored by 22. That's the biggest line of the weekend. Uh, is is a team favored by 22. Uh, it's also the smallest over-under for the weekend because Iowa is, is still playing in this football game. 34.5 is the over-under, which is uh, at least maybe 10 points lower than the, the second one uh, or close to it. I think the, the next closest is uh, that the MAC championship at the over-under between Miami, Ohio, and Toledo is 43.5. So you've got you've got a, a tale of two things. There is the biggest spread, but also the smallest over under. So that's uh, that's the Big Ten title game between Michigan and Iowa. ACC title game, Florida State and Louisville, and Florida State their complexion of their confidence has just changed. I mean, 
I, I won't say anything about the season. Shane's are still undefeated. If they win this game, I think they're in an excellent place to make the playoff. But everyone's just got to be a little bit skeptical of of this and, and how uh, it's going to go. Tate Rodmaker's maybe out, and he's going to be a game-time decision. That's your second guy. So, that I mean, I guess the third guy's been getting reps this week. But Brockland uh, season. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I'm, I know he was a solid prospect, but uh, it's it, tough. It's that's a whole a different situation. animal now. Oh yeah, that's a tough. Situation. Good news is Louisville's not awesome. I think this is a situation where Florida State could have stood to gain from playing a better Louisville team, but also it's just the fact that hey, you need to win the game. Period, and then we'll see what happens. And at least Louisville is not on paper awesome. I mean, Florida State's in fourth. So you know they're in a position to make this thing. I, I are you? Is there any worry for you that they would not make it if they won? Um, I think the margin of victory matters in this one as well. Okay. To be fair, I think they have to win convincingly. I think they have to. I think they have to win relatively big um, for the committee to continue to consider them. Because I mean, uh, I think a lot of people are kind of in the thought that hey, if if Florida State doesn't win convincingly that, you know, even though they're they're the ACC champion and they're undefeated, you know, they don't have uh, they don't have Travis anymore. And that's kind of an issue because he was their star player. He made everything happen for them. Yada, yada, yada. And now they just don't look the same. So, uh, well, they look bad against Florida. Do they if they look bad again this week or struggle this week, then. You know, uh, they, the, there's a consideration that they might fall out no matter what happens. Um, so I do think they have to win relatively convincingly. I do think that they have to. Uh, I think they have to win by a pretty, pretty decent margin uh, to continue to have the consideration that they've had. I'm. Uh, it's I'm, not fair, but it's true. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm kind of on the fence about it because the committee put them at four for a reason, and I know the part of that reason is because Ohio State lost. But you could have still, if you were the committee and you thought that Oregon was the better team, you could have jumped Oregon over FSU. You could have, you could have taken that into consideration and moved them up. You could have because they took them out of the top four last week. Last week they were in the fifth position. It was Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Washington right there in the top four. That would have been your playoff. Uh, and so if if you really, you know, if the playoff committee was, uh, you know, fully convinced that. Oregon was the better team. I, I think Oregon's a better team right now than, than Florida State. Uh, I, I think you put uh, the you would have put the Ducks above them. I think the the fact that you going into this week, going into championship week, you put Florida State. If you're the committee, you put Florida State at number four. I think that tells you that they are convinced that if they beat Louisville with the backup quarterback or a second backup quarterback. I think that they're they're convinced that they're probably going to leave them in that playoff four. Now, do they go up with a backup quarterback and beat a Michigan or beat a Georgia team? That could be a that that's a different story. But I think that going into this one, I think as long as Florida State wins, they are an undefeated Power Five uh, champion, and they uh, they would deserve to be in. Yeah, I think that the point that where they are now, I just don't know why. It would change drastically. Um, I think the worry is still just what happens in the Alabama game uh, because I don't see why Texas beating Oklahoma State would all of a sudden mandate that they're going to jump Florida State if Florida State beats Louisville. Right. Like, uh, like Florida State doesn't have a loss, 
And if they were on the same footing with a loss, I think Texas would absolutely get the nod. But not having a loss does matter. And when you're looking at it, they have been very intentional. They're not putting any of these one-loss teams above the no-loss teams. They're all from power leagues. They all have uh, something impressive on the resume, yep. and they're and they're all sticking to the, the undefeated teams. So if Oregon beats Washington, I, I have faith that they're not going to put both Pac-12 schools in over Florida State when it took till literally, like Brooks said, the other week to – to put Washington above Florida State, it took till till Travis got hurt, and then uh, the 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 danger too is just the unknown factor of if Alabama wins, and do you do you really drop Georgia below them, and do you move Bama above them, and that's when again Florida State winning by more than just a iffy field goal would do themselves good, right? Uh, but again, it, it I, I still I, I revert back to. Someone will get justifiably angry at the end of this thing. I think Florida State should feel pretty good about their position. But I'll also tell you, too, they'll know what they need because they're last up, them in Michigan, and there's not too much drama in the Michigan game, literally or figuratively. And so they'll know if there's the chaos scenario in play or they'll know if Texas has lost or if Georgia's won or, you know, whatever. They'll know – if what they if they're going to need to win that game impressively or not, uh, but I think bottom line, Florida State they can't they can't think about this. That go out there, beat a Louisville team that's honestly not awesome. They're fine, you know. Good, they made it, but that loss to Kentucky really affected my you know my perception of Louisville, and and so you know they they if they lose to Louisville then. You, they're out of it and we understand it but they're they're not going like they're not going to fall below ohio state for beating louisville <laughs> you know like they, they don't have to worry about them and uh, i just don't see how texas would jump that high for beating oklahoma state so anyway i i think florida state's fine now do they actually win the game i mean they've got some great receivers that's the good news you don't have to uh put it too far or too near Keon Coleman for him to make a, a great play, uh, and and so he he is a game changer. Florida State's defense been fine. Uh, not, they've not needed most of these games to be high scoring. Some of them have, but their defense is okay. And so they're in a ultimately, I think, pretty much winning in unless something really really wonky happens in that SEC title game or if. Florida State just looks awful, but just finds a way to pull it out late. I think they'll still ultimately be okay. We're going to go to our final timeout of the show today. When we come back, we will again uh, give one last thought on the Auburn basketball game coming up between now and our next program as they'll take on Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina. And we'll wrap up the show right after that. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Call has been on the air since 1995. 
This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Final few minutes of Sports Call on this Friday, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm or the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here. Five or six minutes left in the show today. Again, wanted to, because we hadn't formally previewed it, talked about it with one or two callers, but uh, wanted to again formally preview Auburn going to Appalachian State in basketball this weekend. Bruce Pearl's men's team with a successful night in the ACC SEC Challenge on Wednesday against Virginia Tech, winning 74 <coughs> to 57. Ironically, both the men's and women's ACC SEC Challenge ended in a tie at 7 7. Uh, but Auburn, despite not really shooting well and despite having one or two individual players that they expect more out of not playing well, uh, they got a huge night from Broom on Wednesday and they still won a game in which they controlled. Uh, really threw out. I mean, got up double digits in the first few minutes of the game. And Virginia Tech cut into it. got to six or seven at a couple points. But Auburn continued to stretch it out in the second half. So now they go to App State. And, guys, we know Auburn's the better team. Uh, but it is a road game, and it is college basketball. So what uh, what does Auburn need to be on the lookout for and your conference level and the Tigers being able to pull away and, and not – have the road environment impact them too much? I think this this particular game uh, uh, against App State poses a a particular uh, 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 difficulty for the Tigers because it's the first true road game they, this team has faced this year. You've had three games away from uh, Neville Arena this year. One was in South Dakota, and then two are in Brooklyn, New York. No, and this, <laughs> they have not been to a true hostile environment, true road test yeah. away from uh, you know where, where you do not have uh, at least a, a good portion of the crowd uh, on on your side of things uh, and to their credit though in the three games that they've played away from Neville Arena it is they've, they've fared well they they you know they lost that first game to Baylor but I, I think you everybody walked away from that game uh, that night saying this was a really good basketball game Auburn held their own against the top 25 Baylor team uh, and to look out and to to quote the the TV announcers from that night I think it was Fran Fraschella was on on the call he said watch for these two teams to be playing again in March and so uh, you know Auburn. The three games they've played away have been uh, have they they've held their own. App State is undefeated at home. They're three and zero. They so they've been able to protect home court. Now it hasn't been against the the top level talent. Uh, their last game against a Power Five opponent uh, on the road uh, at Oregon State they lost in overtime. I know Oregon State's not the banner of the Pac-12 basketball, but still you go on the road and you force you, to a to a Power Five team who in in theory would have better talent than you anyway, and you take them to overtime and uh, end up falling in that one so I, I think Auburn this this is going to be a true test uh, I think Auburn is going to come out of this a, a winner 
Uh, I think Janai Broom needs to have a, another big game. I think Aiden Holloway needs to step back up after uh, a game that he, you know, went over against uh, in the in the um, against Virginia Tech on on Wednesday night. I think he needs to step up and have a bigger game. Uh, I think Auburn comes away with the win. I think it's a probably about a four points, five point win for Auburn. Uh, I, I think that they they go into this this environment and they they handle uh, they 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 come out of there with a a, a win. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that, Brooks. Uh, this is a first true road test. It, it, it's uh, against, you know, maybe not a power five uh, opponent, but still a team, uh, a fan base that is extremely passionate when it comes to uh, uh, App State. They're, they're, they're just kind of a little bit of kind of like sleeping giants in every every aspect. They'll, they'll sneak up on you. They'll upset you real fast. They, uh, they have no issues in doing that. Um, you know, I, I do want to see uh, Aiden Holloway have a good game, kind of get a get right game um, after, like you said, Brooks going over just didn't didn't score at all. Um, so for the opportunity for him to bounce back would be uh, big and, and kind of get himself uh, reestablished in the offensive side of the game uh, and really kind of get things going there uh, would would be absolutely something to see. Um, and then Janai just continues to play the game that he plays. And uh, I, I, I like what I've seen from the defense, honestly, for the most part. So if you can keep that defense that you've been playing pretty consistently over the last few games uh, and build upon that, then your, your offense is going to come. I, I don't have any issues with that. The offense is going to come. But the defense, sticking with what you've been doing and, and playing such strong and, and um, dominating defense, something that Bruce was worried about at the beginning of the season, uh, make that not so much as a worry, then you can worry about everything else, like on the offensive side of the ball and kind of getting a rhythm there, then you'll be good to go. And, and so I think that the opportunity at App State, a true road environment, is, is uh, a good opportunity to build upon what you've kind of set uh, in, in your foundation. And what did you say, Brooks? Was it 8,000 seats? 8,300-something uh, seats. So see, like that's not even a a, a piddly environment or anything like that. I mean, again, it's sold out. and, and They've sold over 9,000 seats. Right, it's sold tickets. more than they can actually hold, I guess. I guess they sold the standing room, <laughs> stand room only. But, uh, you know, that that's, that's a good tester there uh, for sure. And, again, App does not get – the opportunity to host teams like this very often. So they're going to come fired up. I, I think Auburn will have some struggles in the early moments. I do. Uh, but I think that they will, as time goes along, they'll settle down into it uh, late first half, early second half, uh, and they'll work themselves uh, back ahead and, and then get to about a 10 or 15-point victory. But I uh, just want to make sure nothing awful happens against App State. You're not going to get a bunch of bonus points for, for clocking App State by 20, and you're not going to get a lot of points taken away if you win by four or five. The, the main thing is just to win the game uh, and get out of there and be okay. But I think the Sovereign team is good enough uh, to still be able to have this in hand by the last four or five minutes of the action. Final minute or two for us here on this Friday edition of the program. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. 
Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Two movie picks for you this evening. Your holiday movie pick of the night, since it is December 1st. We're officially into the Christmas season. 6 p.m. on Freeform. Home Alone, the uh, the classic Christmas movie. Check it out. Joe Pesci is my favorite character in that uh, in that movie. Uh, 7 o'clock on FX. He's not a character. He's the actor, by the way. Uh, 7 o'clock on FX. Uh, Frozen, the kids' uh, pick of the evening. The Disney classic Frozen. Uh, sports picks for you this evening. We got a plethora of stuff going on tonight. College basketball action. ESPN two at six o'clock. St. John's visits West Virginia. A little uh, Big East. Uh, former uh, two Big East. Former Big East schools. St. John's in the current Big East. West Virginia was in the Big East doing battle uh, at the WVU Coliseum. Follow that up at uh, seven thirty on FS one. Iowa State visits DePaul. Then at eight o'clock tonight on ESPN two. They've been camping out in Allen Fieldhouse all week for this one as UConn visits Kansas, a huge uh, early season matchup in the college basketball world. ESPN 2, 8 o'clock tonight. Then at 9.30 on FS1, Boise State visits St. Mary's. Uh, you've also got some NBA action tonight. The Philadelphia 76ers at the Boston Celtics, Celtics at 6.43 on ESPN. Followed up with the Nuggets and the Suns uh, right after that at 9.05. And, of course, it is championship week. Get things started tonight at 7 o'clock on ABC. Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks take on Michael Penix and the Washington Huskies. 7.07 is the official start time of that one on ABC. And that is your Nightly TV Guide brought to you by friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and I hope you have a great weekend. I know you'll do a great job with the show the first couple days of next week, and I certainly appreciate you for that. And, uh, again, we'll we'll talk again next week. We will not put it in the tank. Uh, please don't. Yep. <laughs> Keep, uh, I, I always hear you say you're going to the bullpen, but we believe in our bullpen. We have a great bullpen, so you're going to do a great job. And then, Canberry, thank you for being here today. I hope you have Come a great in. weekend, sir. We'll see you again next week as well. Absolutely. See you next week. That will do it for the show today and for this week of Sports Call. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.